<laughs> really loud hands. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 307 of the Crate and Crowbar. It is the 19th of December 2019 and this is our last podcast of the year. And as is traditional at this point, we've gathered in this, the extremely comfortable and carpeted and heavily padded hot take arena (laughs) to discuss our games of the year. And you can tell that this is a comfortable and padded hot take and plats um, by the fact, if you are watching us on YouTube, where we have filmed it, because we do that. I fucked this up a bit. My name's Chris Thurston, and joining me on this sofa are Alex Watcher. Hello! Marsh Davies. That's me, hello. Tom Francis. Hello. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How rude. And Philippa War. Hi. Hello, camera. We're going to forget you're there now, and just get on with talking normally. It's like someone's watching us. It is, it is. Don't let a lot it... of people are watching us, but later. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let it affect you. So we're going to do this a little bit differently this year. Oh, we're going to take the register. Yeah. <laughs> Alex? <laughs> uh, <Present. here. laughs> Marsh? Present, sir. Tom? Don't be ill, sir. Okay. Um, the... Again, <laughs> uh, Actually, speaking of absent, we should send... Uh... <laughs> no, <I'm not> <laughs> right here! <laughs> I know. It's terrible what happened to Pip. If only she could have made it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We obviously have apologies from Pip and uh, Tom Senior. I apologise for nothing. (laughs) I'll apologise for you. Oh. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) There aren't enough. Yes, it's sad that Tom couldn't be here. It is sad that Tom couldn't be here. Sadly, uh, taken ill at the the last hurdle. Otherwise, we would have had the first ever, I think, six-person video pod. Mm. With that in mind, we did make some changes to the format to make this a little bit more manageable. In previous years, we've drawn up a big list of pretty much every game in the year and then attempted to remember how we felt about them while getting increasingly pissed over the course of three hours. It was a good system. It was a good system. (laughs) Um, So we're changing it. Uh, uh, It was so good that we have changed it to a system where we are going to, right at the top of the pod, nominate each of our three games of the year and then we're going to discuss said games somewhat. And then at the end, we'll each round up with our, our favourites of the year. We may throw in some of the sort of honourable mentions as well where they haven't been eclipsed by our uh, prerogative. And I think we're doing these in no particular order, right? But these three for now. And then at the end, we can decide what, what our top pick Yes. Is. Yeah, this is, this is a short long list followed mm. by an even shorter short list of one item. So is everyone clear? Barely even a list. <laughs> so is this the long list of the short or yeah. the short list of the I feel like, long? Tom, the size of this pad... Has given me a kind of this kind of power that I shouldn't have. If only you'd had a clipboard. You'd exactly. Uh, normally a very small piece of notepaper, but this is massive. I'm very attached to it. Alex, would you like to introduce very briefly your three games of the year 2019? Of this year, 2019. Yeah. My list in no particular order are is the list is the singular. Mm-hmm. The games are plural. <laughs> <laughs> Camera changes nothing about this experience. Sounds indie. Outer Wilds. Mm. Not Worlds. No offence, but it's Wilds. (laughs) We got uh, Disco Elysium. Mm. And finally, 
Total Warhammer. Interesting. <laughs> Which Total Warhammer. No, no. What is it? Total War Warhammer Two. Indeed. Uh, so yeah. Also for the uh, for if anyone is surprised, game didn't have to come out in this year. Just talking about yeah, I'm talking about enjoyed. like updates, updates what done come out this year and yeah, yeah but in this in my cases, but yes. I might change my list. Okay, well, <laughs> we'll I was aware that. of this. <laughs> Marsh, Sekiro, stab man do stabs, mm-hmm. uh, Disco Elysium as well, and a cheeky one, Red Dead Redemption Two. <gasps> How dare you? Too mainstream, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, but that's my choice. Okay, Pip. Hello. Mm. Oh, I'm not here. <laughs> so uh... I thought about doing that joke for the third time. <laughs> Does this mean we get to pick the games that Pip has to talk about? Yeah. Excellent. Was there a, a Tom Clancy-themed card game this year? Rainbow Six Chubs. Can't be long. Tom Ghost Rummy. No. <laughs> God. Uh, I think I picked... What did I pick? It was like five seconds ago that I told you. Hang on. I've got, it, I've got it here. No, no. I'll tell you what I picked. I picked... It's as if you knew this was coming, too, Oh, Chris. my God. <laughs> Look into your heart and see what is true. Pick Sea of Thieves. Yes. Sea of Thieves. <laughs> I know what you're saying. <laughs> That's right. That's the noise that all crabs make. <laughs> I, I mean, Sound the crab. I don't think a noise can make a clue is... <laughs> Okay. Baba is you. That's the one. Crabs is you. And Heaven's Vault. Excellent. There we go. Baba is you. Crab is scream. (laughs) Crab is clam. Yeah. So sorry. That that simming up the semiotic confusion was perfectly apt. Baba is you. Tom. Uh, Mine were Outer Wilds, Disco Elysium, and Far Cry New Dawn. Mm. That's my main choice. There's going to be a theme emerging here, which is going to dramatically limit the number of games we need to talk about. <laughs> my top three were uh, Sekiro, mm. you love to see it, Disco Elysium, mm. and Outer Wilds. <laughs> You're the most central. Yeah. Already lost my seat. I've got my book. Where should we start in this? Uh, as Graham would love to say, smorgasbord. Cold <laughs> delights. <laughs> and cheeses. Hmm. Should we begin with Crabber is you? Yeah. We can do, yeah. Um, what would you like me to tell you? Well, <laughs> why, is why is game good? Is game nice? Game is good because game is uh, fundamentally about pushing things around in a really simple way. And then it suddenly gets really conceptually confusing and interesting uh, because um, if you don't know what the game is, I shall explain because that's a useful thing to do at the top of a discussion. Mm. Um, It is a block pushing game uh, where you uh, can also push around the commands that govern the rules of the little level that you're playing in. So Bubba is you is the command that you might have in a level that says it basically makes the player character the sheep, but you can change it to, you know, you is, or um, like, I don't know, cloud is you, and then suddenly you stop moving a sheep and you start moving a cloud or something. And um, there are various other rules that you change to make the interactions work to your favour and be able to reach 
whatever the level win condition is. Something is win is the <laughs> other con- command that is important here. But, I had a fun um, yeah. uh, moment where I was pushing rules around just trying stuff and I moved uh, the word wall into place, form sentence, uh, empty is wall. And as soon as I did that, every empty square on the level filled with wall. I can no longer move before I'm doing that. <laughs> Why did I think this would be helpful? <laughs> it's kind of nice just to see sometimes what the game thinks yeah. a thing means. And actually, you can undo those always. Yeah, you can yeah. always take your, your last move back. Yeah, the maker uh, had some had some real struggling kind of things with about what empty would mean. Yeah, that I, is... I wrote about it. Like it was, yeah, it was sort of, it could have meant the other way around. Like yeah. everything is now nothing. Nothing's there anymore. Mm. Yeah. Always empty. Every every empty space now filled with the thing you said. Yeah, and there's other things that are like they're more to do with you realize how they affect your character. Like I think sometimes you know, like, I think water is lava or water is hot or something means that you will burn if you come into contact with it. But you know, it's kind of that. That's the sort of thing that I found out by experimenting. So I was like, "Hot, okay, that's fine. <laughs> like, I'll just try and interact with hot. How hot? Oh, um, <laughs> but yeah." And I think you can. The word "melt" is what gives you that vulnerability to hot things. Oh, yeah. And so you can actually make it so that lava is hot and lava is melt, and then lava melts itself out of existence. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, yeah. Mm. yeah. I really sucked at this game. <laughs> yeah, I was too. very bad at it. Yeah. You finished it already, Marty? No, no one did. Okay. No, any of us No. I think I came closest because I ended up reviewing it and it was one of oh, those cool. ones where, like, it. I'm okay saying, I, you know, I didn't finish it yeah. for the review, but I saw absolutely the amazing like yeah. ways that it worked. So. Did you get into, like, a meta world where you're pushing levels around? Uh, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, there is that, isn't there? Yeah. I feel like, yeah. I didn't I, get to I this got, myself, but I just saw it in a video. I yeah. got really sidetracked by the extra levels that you can do. Like, mm. there's, like, extra bits that you can try and get to. And so I was super into, like, 100%ing that. And I was mm. actually looking forward to sort of curling up with it over Christmas again. Because it's very much one of those, you know, curl up with it. Like, a, almost like it's a book or a, you know, a set mm. of Sudoku puzzles or something to just, you know... Yeah, I really love the way you, you just sort of, you think, oh, let's have a little go. Mm. I do feel a bit daunted because I remember being smashed yeah. in the face with it last time I played. And then half an hour goes, oh, and it feels good. And then yeah. you get smashed in and then you're going, okay, switch it off. And then <laughs> you do feel refreshed when you start tinkering again. Yeah. One thing uh, might be worth mentioning is that uh, a developer did patch the game quite a lot after mm. launch. Because um, I was, so it was one level where I just got absolutely brutally stuck. And even after I looked up the solution... Right. I could do it by following the steps, but I did not understand what was happening on screen. And the solution to that level is still the same, but they redesigned the level so that there was like three other red herrings that I was stuck on for ages trying to get those to work. And they just right. changed the level so that those are obviously not right. not an option. And so it just focuses it on like, okay, it's something about this. Somehow these three elements must interact in a way that gets me out of this brick box. Mm. Um, and so it's that's kind of nice because I feel like, I don't know this, but I my instinct is that Stephen Sausage Roll is probably not updated in that kind of way to make it easier and more understandable to people. So I it's kind actually, of a different attitude. I've been sort of vaguely in 
process of Stephen's sausage roll <laughs> since it's been released <laughs> and I haven't been quite willing to give up or admit that I've given up even though it hasn't been installed for a good year at this point I'm like no no I'm still working on it and then uh, a week ago I buckled and just said tell me what happens at the end to <laughs> someone I know who's completed it, it sounds, I won't say anything about uh, the specifics but I read a summary of the plot and it's quite dark oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty grim yeah. Story. You have to find out how the sausage is made at all. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's horrific. That's really when the world was like, you wish you didn't know how the sausage yeah, yeah. is made. <laughs> but yeah, but the only thing I found really frustrating about it was trying to like, was talking about it in such glowing terms and having really loved it and, you know, spending this time with it. And then you go to show someone a screenshot of it and they're looking at like this sort of slightly muddy colour palette mm. of indistinct shapes and quite sort of. Um, childlike font for the for the command lines and stuff, and you're kind of like, I promise you, this is so yeah. good. Look, look, it's all written there. Look, can't you see what you do? And it's like, is this a sheep or is this a rabbit? Or, <laughs> oh no! And that's like, and I find that art style really endearing. Yeah, I like it was just, it a lot. I really love it. That's no shade on the art style. Yeah. It's it's more just that like that was the real stumbling block was trying to get people right. into yeah. it. Like, I think it's, but it's one of those games where you, you need to play it. Only for like three seconds in front of people, and suddenly, mm. when as soon as they yeah. see the fact that you're changing the logic of the game, the, and like, then suddenly people, because I, I saw him, uh, I, I forget the name of the one of the dudes involved in it, um, present it. Pempuli, Harvey Tekari, that guy. That sounds right. Uh, I saw him present it at a couple of different GDCs, I think, and okay. like to uh, a, a crowd that wasn't familiar with the game at all, like he'd won them over almost instantaneously. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Oh, okay, it's a block pushing puzzle game," and then he just moves two words around, and everybody's like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. <laughs> so that the opening is amazing. Like, so mm-hmm. so I, I, when I was I was wrote about it as one of my series about game design for um, uh, Robert Shotgun, and uh, I went back to the original demo version. This oh. kind of this jam version that he developed during a jam. So he put together the entire game. Like, the entire concept for the game came out of, like, a 48-hour game jam. And he... And even the first levels that are that ship with the game are pretty much the ones that he put together for the jam version. Oh, wow. And you play the band for, And, like, they teach you um, the, the, the sense of wonder you get from playing those that tutorial as it suddenly sort of goes bam and you realise the power of what, what this game could possibly do. like, And it was just 48 hours. And then it was like a year or two of just building out and then restructuring the entire way. Because apparently like, making the semantics of it yeah. flexible and actually function uh, was quite hard. <laughs> I imagine it's the sort of thing that you're like, oh, brilliant, the bones of the game are in place and then you have to go away and do a philosophy degree and like, <laughs> deal with existentialism and then finish the game. What is yeah, there are so many, there's so many edge cases, just the, it's the game of edge cases, basically, in terms of like, because everything is on a step basis, so every time you move, you know, there's no real time, it's just every time you move um, uh, things. Actually, is that even true? Is there real time in the game? <laughs> no. No, it's not so. Um, yeah, because there's a button to wait, isn't there? I was yeah. just thinking there is a way to make time unfold without you moving. But um, uh, and so what that means, this is the problem I've hit trying to make a turn-based game, is that loads of things are happening simultaneously. Like if two things are trying to move to the same space, that's happening at the exact same time, and there's no inherent logic as to why one would get there before the other, and should it block the other, or should they both fail? Mm. Resolving that is like a two 
fanged problem because like on one hand you've got to figure out a consistent rule set for this you know just what is the answer to this you've got to have some kind of consistent answer to program it and the second one is does that make sense to the player and that second one is an absolute uh, bastard to get right because just whatever you think is logical in your little <laughs> world of making your own little weird game uh, often just crashes to the ground as soon as anyone else plays it yeah yeah so it's amazing that they're able to do that at all mm. but yeah play that it's very good <laughs> from uh from Baba is you to I'm Warhammer excited. is two. <laughs> <laughs> that was better than I was expecting. <laughs> Alex, would you like to take us on a journey to the world of Total War Warhammer 2? Uh, weirdly enough, I'd say that this is the single, the, the game that I've put the most time into this hmm. year hmm. because because it just long. <laughs> it takes a long time to play in the world of Warhammer. Mm. Um, is that the main quality you got from it? <laughs> Value for money. I, I don't know because, like, but it, it's it's definitely occupied. Uh, you know, it's a game that I think about a lot when I'm not playing, but I'm mm-hmm. in the depth of a campaign. It's like it, it really does have that power that I've always loved getting into a game that kind of so that it sort of sticks there in your mind, um, and it's definitely done that. So I've done. Two campaigns this year. I done I done a Skaven one, mm. and I'm in the last bit of a Lizard Man one at the moment. Um, and the like, I play I play this with my son, and so it's got a special. We sit down on a Saturday or whatever, and we just play and play and play, and do the one more go, one more go, one more go kind of sort of turn based sort of can't stop playing thing. But it's it has this kind of quality where everything stays the same in that the loop is the same. Like you play your battle and then you take over a city and you play a battle and you build more stuff so you can have more troops. And you can... But it feels escalating as well. So like it has that good feeling of a good strategy game where you're continually doing the same thing that you enjoy having battle, but the stakes feel like they're getting higher and you feel like you're getting more powerful. But actually... You're doing the same thing, and I like I like I like that it's comfortable. Mm. It's a. You, I was going to ask you playing Mortal Empires campaigns or the Vortex. No, so I have tried playing. So Mortal Empires is uh, the mode where it has the entire map available in every faction, oh, and nice. when you play, uh, uh, every other faction is playing at the same time, and there's no particular goal other than to sort of surpass everybody, I suppose. Is this uh, the one where like, does it integrate Warhammer One? Yeah, into it? Uh, yes. It's the combined world map of both games. Yeah, and and, and and factions from both of them. So you can, as long as you own the first one, you can choose any faction you like. But if you own you own the second one, you, uh, you everybody is still there, but you don't get to play them all. Um, so that that one, the turnover, like so, so when you when you when you start a new turn, uh, it then calculates everyone else's turns. It takes ages. Apparently, a new patch. And I haven't tried it since. Uh, has apparently reduced that time, but it's so long that I just can't face it. Because I have tried, started a couple of matches that, and kind of just got bogged down. Mm. So I've been doing Vortex once. Uh, Vortex are the the main campaigns with it, and they're very story based. Uh, and you're all sort of trying to beat each other to get to the Vortex first, doing ratty things or as many things or whatever. Mm. But yeah, it's um. There's something about its detail and the fact that it so loves its core material. Like it's, I think that it's very much its own game. So it looks to uh, Warhammer 
like the original Warhammer, so this is before Age of Sigmar, it looks at the old world, which is what even, you can't even buy at a Games Workshop anymore. And it, but it makes a video game, a war game out of them. So it goes to a tabletop war game and makes its own war game out of it. It has its own units and things as well, but it has loads of references to the, to the actual game characters, sort of favoured kind of warlords and units mm. and things. But they all feel totally native to this game, to war, to, to total war, frankly. Um, and so there's just so many sort of little bits, like the rats is just so, such good fun. <laughs> They play very differently to the war, the lizard men. So the lizard men are about magic, quite a lot of magic, and they're tough as nails, so they can just stand there and take a lot of beating. Whereas the the Skaven are fascinating because um, they are soft, they can get hit and tend to die very quickly, but there are lots of them in a unit, so they tend to stick around for a lot longer. Um, but they also have very low leadership, and that's kind of an important stat in, uh, war, in Total War. Um, it's the this gauge which, when it goes down to zero, your unit tries to run away. The rats goes down really, really quickly, but then they tend to reform really, really quickly as well. Mm-hmm. And they will just, and that will completely break an, arm, an enemy army's kind of formation mm-hmm. because they start running after you, oh. and then they reform, <laughs> and they they just can't get rid of them. They won't go away. You have these skirmisher units, which um, are usually range units. Uh, which you can just run around the map and they'll just skirmish, throw stuff. And as soon as anyone comes near them, they run away and kind of, and then, and they are such a pain in the ass. Now playing the lizard men, which are quite slow in general, rat men are so annoying because they, the skirmishes will not go away and you can't kill them and they keep running away and come back. And it's, you know, that kind of granular detail, the love of the fact that that follows the sort of the Skaven kind of uh, identity so closely is just just really fun to get to know. So every time you play a new faction, which you haven't played before, but, and I haven't played many of the factions, like it's also like a journey into kind of, ah, oh, that's what this faction's about, yeah. and this is how they're fun. So yeah, lots of time for spending. And I've also enjoyed watching it. I played, watched a lot of, particularly a YouTuber called Lionheart. Oh yeah. And he's just, he's just nice to have in the background mm-hmm. playing playing a game. The um, It's had a lot of updates. Lots well. of Is there anything that's happened this year been particularly impactful? Uh, so the the, I, the reason I played the Skaven campaign is that uh, one of it was a, one of the new uh, Skaven lords, and whose name I can't remember, Ekitclaw. Yeah, Ekitclaw. Um, and he's just a fun one. I'm really tempted to start. They, yeah, they added nukes to yeah. Total War, which was fun. Yeah, you could just blow up. <laughs> oh, the other thing about the Skaven, this is not another nice thing, is that um, you don't have to have uh, cities in order to take over and make money you can create under cities in other other faction cities which oh. which you can you try to avoid them getting discovered so that's really fun um uh at the and they, they have there are loads of and they they are like a creative assembly are just incredibly uh generous with their imagination about the new stuff they put in so mm. there's a new skaven um which is a, a an assassin style character whose name I've completely forgotten. Probably should remember. Uh, Skitch, Skitch, something like that. He's Deathmaster Snitch, yeah, something Death, like that. Yeah. Sounds like a garage artist. <laughs> <laughs> and his because he's an assassin, like he does the lordy things, like at all the other lords in in Total mm. War. But he's also he's an assassin, so you get you get assassination uh, jobs, and you make loads of money and get sort of kudos from 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 other factions. 
by just killing off characters. So you kind of send him off or send characters off to assassinate people. And like that system has never been seen in this game before. Mm. And then they go, bam, let's put it in two years after we come out or three years after we mm. come out in the second of the Total Warhammer games. Fuck it. Fuck it, put it in. So good. <laughs> so you kind of like, even now, there's just surprises coming in. And there's a whole new one coming at some point, maybe next year, I don't know when, but there's a Warhammer, Total Warhammer 3 is coming. It nice, I like. <laughs> Excellent. Strong rat energy from you this year. Mm, mm. Yeah. <laughs> Plague Tale Innocence as well. It's been, it's been 2K19 for me. Year of the rat. <laughs> uh, oh, baby, when you dance like that, you make a woman go mad. Uh, so be mine and keep on watching the sign of my body. Sekiro, Sekiro. <laughs> you saw this coming, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> or Sekiro, as it actually is more correctly pronounced. <laughs> but I started, so I'll finish. Yeah, Sekiro, shadows die twice. Or lots of times, over and over again. Mm-hmm. And eventually win once. Literally <laughs> the full subtitle. I think we... So this was a... Uh, me... And oh, you and I, Marsh, were the only two who picked this. Well, Tom Senior also picked it. Tom Senior did also so pick it. He picked it in spirit. Yeah. So I think you should talk about it because it's, it's more a game that you're passionate about than I am. I, I, I liked it a lot, but I think actually it's probably my least favourite of the Bloodborne Souls games. Mm. Um, which I realise is apparently the wrong opinion. <laughs> but um, yeah. Uh, no- don't, don't let the noise I just made. Like, <laughs> by still being the, the wrong opinion noise, I mean. <laughs> my least favourite of those, it's still mm. above 90% of all other games. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so this feels like a long time ago now because it was February yeah, that yeah. Sekiro came out. Um, <laughs> it is uh, From Software's latest game, a kind of like uh, samurai sort of, you know, mythical adventure uh, set in a sort of castle and its surroundings in the sort of blood born uh, Dark Souls uh, structure but the the heart of the game for me and I think the reason that it is close to my favourite games of the year is uh, I think the, the the best combat system they've ever built for my money moving away from the sort of RPG uh, influences of Souls and, and Bloodborne specifically towards a far more of a learn it and put what you've learned into practice style kind of character action system which is just immensely satisfying and i think the proof of that game for me and of its kind of worth as a fighting game and as a really gratifying thing to learn and get better at was getting to the last boss of the game uh, which is nails and you know a, a misery and a great experience at the same well it's a misery and then it's a great experience which is the arc of all <laughs> like from software bosses from i hate this to this is the greatest thing i've ever experienced to oh i hate it again um was realizing that my strategy, the gadgets I'd chosen to take with me, which are really its equivalents of it's how how it gives you uh, options and variety within your build as well, which ga- gadgets you initially invest in, eventually you'll have all of them, then it's which ones you choose to focus on, was completely different to someone else I was talking to about it, who also had their own way of progressing through the game. And I was sharing uh, GIFs and clips of combos I'd discovered because of consistent ways that mechanics work between boss fights and things like that which felt for me like a big sort of step, a really meaningful step forward from where From Software Games had been previously, where you learn a boss and you learn also on a macro level a, a route through the game and also probably a route through your character sheet that matches the route you're planning to take through the game. And there's a lot to like there in terms of knowing, you know, gaining the val- gaining the particular texture of like, I'm going to do a magic-y run of Dark Souls or I'm going to do a heavy armor run of Dark Souls. It doesn't have that degree of depth, I think, 
or re- maybe even replayability. But what it does have is this sense that at any given time you have all the tools you need to like crack open an encounter in a bunch of really, really cool ways. And I think also it's um, a great example of just getting every single part of a combat system to feel right and then be fair. So it very, very rarely throws something at you that feels completely bullshit or breaks the rules of the game. Mm. And actually in kind of classic From Software style, it plans those moments quite carefully so that it does shock you when something doesn't happen quite as you expect it to. Or, you know, it tends to be the sort of demonic or otherworldly enemies that break the rules in that way, which immediately feels right. And it has, a, I think, in that sense, a range of experience that Dark Souls and Bloodborne don't have either, from a one-on-one sword fight with another human being exciting to how would you fight a ghost? Which is, the you know, you know it's all ghosts all the time, really, the rest of the time. You know what I mean? Um, also really lovely world really nice to see them do something rooted in um, Japanese culture and, and mythology specifically it has its very much, very much it's, it's set in a real period of history but it has very much its own um, uh, internal mythology and sort of set of kind of big symbols and things and mm-hmm. the kind of classic from software stuff of like you know something's gone wrong with the way God. that people die <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly uh, people not dying properly mm. and someone do you think I mean how many times do you think they can uh, mm. uh, do that basically because uh, I think they've kind of successfully transposed it between three different sort of mythologies now mm. but it really is I mean Kojima's taken it on as well right right yeah oh yeah, yeah yeah true Bible. yeah but uh, yeah I don't know if it's something they can keep on reinventing and, and, and with that point it's going to be interesting to see if they abandon the, the entire structure of the, of mm. the game was that, I was thinking that, that was something that was seen missing in Star Wars uh, Fallen, you know, the new Star Wars game. What a narrative <laughs> justification for the structure. Yeah, like the, 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 yeah, right. the same rule happens, but like there's no explanation mm. of what, what on earth and why. Well, it feels like when you have the die and try again sort of school of design, if you were going to embody that in the fiction or the world building, which from software always have, game's going to be about purgatory. It yeah. just kind of is. Yeah, yeah like, sure. <laughs> you know, like they are purgatorial experiences about kind of, mm. you know, graft and trying to prove yourself and progress to the next thing. Um, you know, it, it's actually, it's interesting to see that idea, you know, transposed between different belief systems, mm. um, you know, away from the sort of, uh, the sort of Pilgrim's Progressy sort of aspects of Dark Souls towards something else. But, you know, it's notable that Jedi Fallen Order, which has the same structure, just doesn't try and explain it, which is almost liberating, I think, for that game, that it can just use it as a video game. Sure. Rather than, you know, having to I would love say it. something. If the first time you die in Fallen Order, that's it, you become a forced ghost after that. You just, <laughs> yeah. just, just, just have to whisper every time yeah. anyone comes close. <laughs> You're telling someone else what's <laughs> yeah. yeah, to the next Jedi. <laughs> yeah, you Actually, it could just be the next player. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. one life and then you can use the force, Jeremy. Oh, for God's sake, not like, like that. Moron. Twitch commenters. That could force ghosts to force I mean, you don't have to talk about Skiro, we're talking about redesign Jedi Fallen Order. That could have been its equivalent of like writing on the ground or death warnings and things in Dark Souls <laughs> is when you die you just move to someone else's game and you're a force ghost that haunts them and then when they die you're gone and they move to someone else <laughs> or you're all there yeah you know no, no upper limit. imagine how fucking annoying being like, like another player say use the force <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah I fucking know that's the whole point <laughs> press R1 <laughs> um, Sekiro though 
Do you have any other takes on it, Marty? Like, no, not really. Okay. <laughs> no, no, it's, yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you, you said, really. I, I have to say, I, I think the reason it's l- less my kind of game than it is yours is precisely because it has that precise learn this system sort of thing, mm. which I, I can admire the purity of, but I liked the, the wiggle room for my own incompetence that mm. the RPG systems previously supplied. That's what I've described in the office. If there wasn't it wasn't something that I could I could manage one way, then I could change track chat tack and do something different mm. in Dark Souls or Bloodborne. When Chris was talking about it it sounded a lot like when you're talking about what was that game with the the stabbing and the like Oh yeah. Um <laughs> all of the you're being sarcastic. <laughs> you know, you got super into it, and that one-on-one was it the like, online sword must, fighting. Yeah, the solution or something. Yeah, it sounds like. Oh, um, the, uh, Mord Howe or Blade Symphony. Both mm. of them. What's Blade the one Symphony with the name that sounds like Absolution? One that sounds like Absolution. Oh, Absolver. Absolver. That's it. But it like, Absolver was the punchy one. Yeah. But it felt like hearing you describe those mm, had a yeah. lot in common with hearing you describe what you like about Sekiro. Yeah. And you love sword, sword fighting, right? As both in games and... You used to, but yeah. Life. But also, I mean, I like sword fighting systems. I think they're interesting. Yeah. Um, particularly in the multiplayer context. But, yeah. It's interesting because I actually got on better with Sekiro than Dark Souls, even though I'm very much not up to the skill level of any of them. <laughs> but with Sekiro, I felt like I knew what it was I was being asked to learn. Mm. And mm. I knew when I was failing at it. And that I... Like, if I failed fighting Sekiro, I knew I should be able to do this with what I currently right. have. Whereas Dark Souls, I think, was a bit more fuzzy and a bit more like... Am I just going the wrong way? Is this just not where I should yeah. be? I think I think a lot of the kind of the poor, poor slash intentionally poor signposting of the earlier games has sort of been beveled off in hmm. uh, Sekiro, and I think it's probably for the best. Like I think they've hmm. whether that's part of their uh, partnership with Activision or not, I don't know. But it, it seems like there's a sort of focus on the mass market with Sekiro. To some extent, to some extent, yeah, yeah, which I think is—I don't mean that as a I don't like as kill streak rewards. Or... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't mean that as a slight at all. I think I think they've they've thought about how more people than themselves play these games and yeah. how they how they could best make other people enjoy it. Also, um, had a grappling hook. And did have a grappling hook. <laughs> yeah, the traversal in that game is fantastic. Yeah, and actually yeah. was um, I'm half joking because I just like grappling hooks, but also <laughs> that is a big reason I think I, I got on better with it than Dark Souls was that the, my main problem with that whole genre is that i don't like to repeat myself and they're all about repeating yourself but in sekiro when i'm doing the same section again i'm sneaking past people and i'm using grappling up to get to like take an alternate route around the side mm. and finding clever ways to do it on my third time through and so there's more joy in that than there was in dark souls it's also i mean because it is a light puzzle stealth game as well like yeah it has those sort of features and i really like it as a stealth game as well mm. and that, that that is also interesting it's an interesting sort of um alternative to the sort of the pressure valve that you have in Dark Souls games where once you've learnt an area you just fucking pelt through it mm. whereas in this there's legitimate ways where you can just completely yeah. avoid combat and the game doesn't punish you at all for that I think Tom touched on something that was important to me about it as well which is the <laughs> well so personally like I find the anxiety that I haven't upgraded myself and my equipment in the right way kind mm. of punishing in Dark Souls like yes. the fear of like I, or I didn't find the items at the right time, so I'm not giving myself a slog to go back and find the upgrades and things. Reducing that, the the importance of resources, honestly, like they are important. You can buy things and upgrade things, but it's not as big a deal to lose the stuff you've amassed, and it's also uh, not a big a deal to miss a, miss a pickup or something like that. Yeah. Um, I find really freeing because 
um, I think there's two sides to that. I think there's one is like getting stuck on a boss and as Tom says, knowing I actually do have all the pieces I need to have for this. Occasionally in the game, there's stuff that you can go and find that will help. But like, you know, actually it is possible with what I have. And the second side to that is the, the, you know, you may or may not like it all the time, but there isn't like a more fun build I didn't do. You know what I mean? The sort of the possibility space of a Bloodborne or a Souls is, is such that like, my best, my best, you know, experience playing Bloodborne was with Tom Senior, who was so experienced with it that he could point me towards fun things I wouldn't have found yeah. otherwise. And that's one of the social nature of the game and the purpose of the markings and things like that as well. So it's only part of it, but I find that anxiety mm. takes me out of it a bit. Whereas I quite like Sekiro, just like just sword fight this man now, and when he jump in the air, do lightning, just deal with it. I did miss the fashion souls aspect of it though. <laughs> mm. Could yeah. done a little bit more dress up. Yes, you, you can't. <laughs> yeah, you really can't dress up. And it's very, it is very serious. Like, it, 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 I, I don't know. I, I feel like it was a long time ago now since There's I finished it. There's some good fucking jokes in that game, though. Like mechanical jokes as well. Yeah. There's a, this is a spoiler, but you, you come across a, a gigantic dude who looks like uh, a Teutonic knight. So it's sort of like a oh, callback that, to yeah. Dark Souls. And he's standing on the center of this bridge. And you can't, he, 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 you know, you can't do anything to him. You can't damage him. You can't stab him or anything. And you eventually work out the way to defeat him is just to kick him off the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, a, it's a tremendous sort of. Whose name does he shout? shout? Robert. Yeah, he shouts Robert, and then he falls into the. <laughs> yeah, which I think is meant to be some sort of maybe across brands callback. I don't know. Yeah, it is but, also uh, a weirdly scatological game. Like it loves oh, yeah. shit and poo and farting. Like, yeah. um, and then sort of very grim samurai kind of going at each other. Yeah, I do like how how hideous and all the samurai are. They're just yeah. grubby, grubby little men. Good, really good, grotesque humans. Mm. I mean, and and from have always been good at this, <laughs> but in previous games, literally they are monsters. You know, the townspeople of Yarnum or you know Dark Souls hollow zombie people. Whereas in this, it's just like a hyper realized like. Mm. You know, almost samurai horror grotesque thing where some of them just massive. Yeah. <laughs> just fucking massive. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no, um, segue here, I don't think. Okay. It sounds like a James Bond title though, Shadows Die Twice. Shadows mm. Die Twice. Mm. Or no segue here. Mm. <laughs> no segue here. Please don't segue here, James. It's more just like a public safety. <laughs> you mad lad. Um, you probably would be allowed to to ride a segue around Far Cry New Dawn, wouldn't you? Apocalyptic <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, segue. It's a good game. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was surprised by this one. Uh, you sent around a long list of games that came out this year, mm. and I surprised myself by thinking, "Oh shit, that was one of the games of the year for sure." Um, because I kind of forgot that... Nope, the, the rum. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. The system was failing. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. The flailing. No worries. Uh, yeah, I kind of forgot how much I loved that game and how much time I spent with it. And so my other two picks were Outer Wilds and Disco Elysium, both of which are very original and fresh games that do interesting, bold things. Um, and... Uh, frankly, this choice is a lot less respectable. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, shame of the year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's explore Tom's shame. Actually, maybe we should all nominate at the end of this podcast. Think of it now. Nominate your shame of the year alongside your game of the year. But I Within don't feel ashamed of picking it because uh, it is the thing I love about it and the thing it exemplifies is just like 
getting a chunk of game that works, uh, chunk of game systems that work really well together, uh, creating experience that um, that works, and then just making it better and better and better every single time. Like, not everyone thinks this, but for me, Far Cry 3, when it introduced the outposts, that was like a watershed moment for the series, and that was like just stealth gameplay in general, and open world gameplay in general. Um, and ever since then, I was obsessed with the Far Cry 3, I've been obsessed with it in every Far Cry game since, and they've been making it better and better. I don't know if they have like common level designers between all these games, but it feels like they do, because they're all good. Like, every Far Cry game that has outposts in it has great outposts that are really well designed. There are loads of ways to approach it. And New Dawn just... Um, kept on making that stuff work better. Um, it's more than almost any other open world game. It's You feel like if I just walk across the world, the stuff I get into along the way is satisfying and meaningful and it's getting me towards my long-term goals and stuff. Uh, it's almost like the Civ thing where you have like these long-term and short-term goals and everything is progressed towards something. And then I particularly want to shout out the... Um, like expeditions, I think they might be called, um, where you fly out on a chopper to a, a some other location. And it was kind of, when they announced it, it felt like, oh, this is sort of a cost-cutting measure to, to let them do a variety of locations without having to make a whole fucking open world that spans, you know, all these completely different biomes and figures out why this, you know, abandoned tanker is, uh, how that fits into the world they've made. Um, but they actually turned out to be one of my favorite bits because they would, they are a little chunk of it's basically like a massive open-ended level um it's not as big as the open world of main game uh, by any means but uh they got to do some proper like level design for that where they know what you're trying to do in this in this area and you can still approach it from any angle it's big enough that you can take loads of different approaches um and you're just trying to get to a certain crate or something and pick it up and then once you pick it up uh, you have like 30 seconds before everyone knows where you are and then maybe two minutes before your ride shows up. And so it's great for... It lets you do the stealth thing. I get to do it my way, you know, with a bow and a rock and sneak in and take ages over it and figure out the way to do it perfectly. Um, and then when I get to the thing, I'm going to have to have a madcap chase out of there. And in, if you just leave the player to their own devices and make a, you know, true systems-driven open world where you can play however you like, uh, the downside of that for me is... I only like the stealth thing, and so I'll never do the action thing. And if I ever get into an action-type situation, I'm already feeling bad because I fucked up the stealth thing. Whereas in this, by making that a mandatory part of it, like there's just going to be a period where everyone knows where you are and you just do something about it, I get to have that kind of high adrenaline moment and um, uh, deal with that and get into you know madcap scrapes and stuff, but I don't feel like it's because I failed. I, hmm. It's a natural part of the mission. You have to do that. And there's also a great pleasure in skipping content. <laughs> like if you have like a linear start to finish game and you find a way to do the level in like 15 seconds, you sort of feel you've broken the game and you're sort of thinking like, even if you might feel proud of yourself for finding that, but you're, you're also thinking you're like, wow, this game's going to be short for me. <laughs> These, uh, you come back to them multiple times. So every location, one of them is just like a, a massive uh, bridge across a chasm and the objective is on the other side of the chasm. And you can go across the top of the bridge or you can just, the cool way to do it is to wingsuit off the cliff and then while wingsuiting, steers off under the bridge, then throw a grappling hook up to the bridge and then Tarzan <laughs> the rest of the way, like letting go of it and figuring out that oh, like, wow. making that work for the first time was super cool. Um, and if you, if the package is on the cliff edge and you find a way to swing your grappling hook such that you can launch yourself into the air and then grab onto a ledge and get there and just get to it and then leave again, 
that feels amazing because I just skipped all that fucking content and all that stuff that they made for me that I missed. But it doesn't have the problem of like, oh, I made the game too short for myself and I missed out because the next, after you complete that, you get to go back there and like, oh, they've tightened security now because you robbed them last time and now the, the package is in a different location. Um, the enemies are all in different places and uh, they're tougher and you know, require cleverer ways to take them out. And so you're going to go back and do it again. You get to see different parts of the level and taking a different approach. And that feels like... Uh, feels like we're finally getting towards some some patterns for this kind of stuff where you get to explore more of the breadth of open world games and multiple approach games and emergent games uh that we've had those you know for uh decades but they haven't they've just been kind of a straightforward approach where just we've made this possibility space you find your way through it whatever you like and it's cool that you get to do that and that feels great but now we're finding ways like even if you have a particular style you like uh, I think New Dawn is is as good as any game that I've played at letting you explore other ways of playing within that without having to sort of start a new game and, and make the fun yourself and decide I'm going to play, play a different character this time because I want to explore that possibility space. They're finding smarter ways to just lead you into that naturally and let you have more fun. Mm. Mm. I don't know much about New Dawn, but I do love oh that... <laughs> oh, God. Cowboys love a big old sunset. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> um, it's... And speaking, of course, of Red Dead Redemption 2, mm. uh, which is weirdly almost the exact mirror of all the things you like, it seems. <laughs> like uh, the opposite. Well, uh, yeah, I, th- I think Rockstar Games in general, but specifically Red Dead 2, They've, they all have the problem where instead of allowing you this big open space where you can do things freeform, it gives you the suggestion of that and then immediately trammels you into a specific way of doing things. And then usually there's a cutscene in the middle of what you're doing and then one of your idiot friends fucks everything up and then you have to do things precisely the way the designers want. Um, and that's sort of still mostly true of, of Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, I, I think the mission design in general has become a lot more simple weirdly Mm. with this game um but the thing i appreciate about it is that those things those missions in fact really any activity in red redemption 2 exists within just a much larger almost empty space it's it's a game about the spaces between the things that you do rather than the stuff that you do or at least that's the way that i enjoy it and, and so most of the my time in the game the, th- the thing that i really love about it is just going between mission points it's, there's no fast travel in the game so you have to go everywhere on your horse and I, it's, it's weird that I've, I've got sucked into it because I, I usually really hate all the kind of Tamagotchi shit of the of, of the previous uh, GTAs and things where you're looking after your, your health and deciding what beard length you want and all these things and I love that stuff in, in Red Dead Redemption 2 I've really got into it I have a really strong bond with my horse uh, Big Heidi uh, <laughs> Uh, did you choose that name? I did. It's named after my cat, but obviously <laughs> bigger because a horse. Yeah, I saw a horse in town the other day. Did you? Really? Well, you'll be pleased to know. The rumours are true. Yeah. If you're an appreciator of big horses, you'd like to know that Big Heidi is one of the biggest that you can get. Incredible. <laughs> um, not not being a horse expert, uh, having seen 
Actually, very few of them in the flesh in my life. Mm. I wasn't aware as I was purchasing this horse exactly its size relative to other horses until there was a mission where I had to ride with other people. My horse is like five times the size of everybody else's. It's like they're riding on the cats or something. I'm, I'm riding on a real horse. Is it a shire horse? I don't know what it is. Like, she's, she's very fat and she's very slow. And she gets easily scared by loud noises, which is a little bit like my cat as well, which is uh, quite good. Um, but she's, yeah, she's a good horse, good horse. Um, I don't know, I mean, that's, I can just leave it there, really. Um, I think it's, there's, it's a weird game because there's so much that's uh, that's sort of terrible about it. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, I think this this would be my sh- sort of shame game because I, I think it's had a, a, a rough ride. Actually, I, I don't know what the reviews were. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know. What, I don't know what the reviews were like, but uh, I, generally, and amongst our peers, it seems that it's been, people have been a bit down on it or just sort of dismiss, dismissed it as the the boring cowboy game. Um, and I don't. I'm not, it's. I don't think it it really deserves that. It's it's. After the whole Rockstar employee scandal uh, and, and the number of hours that went into this game got exposed and how much overtime there was and how cruel that was, etc. Um, and I think GTA V, uh, it's it sort of shtick left a sort of unpleasant taste in people's mouths. Mm. Those two things combined have sort of cast a bit of a pull over uh, the release of Red Dead Redemption 2. And I think people have... Um, being quick to 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 dunk on it but it's it's their most humane game mm. they've released uh the, the the story in it is it's not it doesn't exactly ignite uh very quickly um there's not a huge amount of momentum to it uh you're just part of this gang roaming around the world basically trying to make ends meet and there is some sort of narrative propellant in that you've uh, being kicked out of a town, basically chased out of there by uh, by Pinkertons, and you've left some money there. So, and and there are the tensions within the gang that are building. But really, that's it. There's no kind of like, oh, we need to get to the fucking spire, you know, or whatever. There's no kind of thing on the horizon that you're going towards throughout the game. You're just really you're trying to get food and money for the, for the for this camp of of, of uh, dissolutes, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's. And and the characters within it are really good. There's almost no wacky comedy characters in it mm. at all. There are some who are on the fringe of being rock star wacky, but none of the main characters you meet are really that aggravating in that way. You don't often... The one thing I hate about Rockstar games that they've, they've always been guilty about is you end up doing missions for... F- and these people just... You would never engage their services. You never want to do a job for a capering grave digger, you know, or whatever. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. You've just, you've murdered half the population of, you know, not San Francisco. And yet you're, you're doing a job for one corrupt official, uh, who's or a snake or so. Yeah. Or something like that. It doesn't make any sense, but there's none of those characters really in this game. And you're never, you're never compromised in that way to the same extent anyway. And, your character is is quite interesting, and I, I think he's probably one of the more consistently written characters uh, in those games. And the leader of your gang is 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 a fantastic piece of writing. He is in, you 
he's obviously in the pre- previous game as well, Dutch van der Linde, mm. as, as your sort of nemesis that you're hunting down ultimately through the course of that game. But in this, which is a prequel, he's just the, the sort of mentor of your group. And he's an incredibly charismatic mm. figure. And you understand why people would follow this man and why he would sell these promises of sort of like a living free in America and actually at the same time perpetuating terrible violence. And those two things are kind of really, really well, well kind of put together in the game. Kind of, yeah. I really like it now. <laughs> wow. Wow. No, I, I, it's funny because I was watch, I was playing it last night. Oh yeah, and because I went back to it partly because you've been enjoying it, and I wanted to go because I've been playing on PS4 and just stopped after I got big town problems. Oh yeah, um, just got a bit overwhelmed and just stopped. And last night I. I went sort of for fear of spoilers. I did a mission where we save a member of the camp who's oh, yeah. been away, and I got back to the camp having successfully done it. Everyone's kind of really pleased, really pleased with with having done this thing because the person you saved is someone you want to have saved because they are an innocent in this world. Hmm. And um, and you get back to camp and it's night, and there's you know, and this is a game where they put so much effort into every detail. I could have just wandered straight out of camp after I after I got back, but I didn't. And the, the, uh, a lot of the characters were by the fire singing a song because Ooh. they were celebrating, and they all had unique uh, sort of dialogue because we just stated the thing. We all had something to say about it, um, and I just walked around the camp, just sort of. And I didn't do this when I was playing before because I was sort of, oh, I want to get to the next thing. And yeah, it just yeah. Took some time, and then. Uh, then I went inside the house where we were kind of staying and I went upstairs to my room because I couldn't remember where anything was and like looked around and there's this weird noise, banging noise. And I went outside, there's a thunderstorm and right there's a, there's a large city across this swamp or water from where we are and there's this enormous thunderstorm playing over the top of this, this, this city which you can see the lights off. The clouds are lighting up, huge thunder and like you can feel the closeness of the air. Um, I put my lantern on so I could stop sort of falling in, into stuff as I was walking around outside because I went outside and it picked up all these bugs that are all just flying mm-hmm. around and like and it's like fucking hell yeah. and then it started raining where we are because of course the rain had come over to where, where I was and I thought fucking hell this <laughs> yeah. was nice that's where all those man hours went yeah and it's sort of like there's a sort of there's a there's a shame in in re- realising that like it it in this case, it took that to create that, but at the same yeah. time, taken out simply as it is, you know, which is difficult to do. Like it can, it is sublime in places. Oh yeah, I mean I, that's exactly the right word. I mean it is about the the sublime, yeah, about yeah. the natural world, and there's something particularly like I, I think games have taken a, a while to get up to that level of f- fidelity where um, they trigger the things in in your early man settler brain where you just look at a, a bucolic landscape and you and you realize that it has all the resources that you need to live in it and that just makes all the endorphins in your <laughs> brain explode but there it, that, that this game does it all the time and i i know the the, the mexico moment where you crash the hill and the music mm. kicks in is a bit of a cliche in the first game from the first game but it does that um using a lot of generative systems in this game, mm. which is interesting. There's an interesting use of music. There's a point in the game when you... Uh, I, I, I don't know if this was the way you were meant to approach this environment or if it was just coincidence, 
But um, there was sort of, uh, sort of uh, some music playing uh, as I was traveling. And I come through a, a forest and make my way down into a valley. And as I'm, as I'm doing this, the kind of music builds in this kind of slightly sinister kind of rhythm, uh, this kind of big shaking noise. And I realized that the music has synced up with the sound of uh, oil, um, what are they called, donkeys, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, these huge things that are making the entire landscape shudder. But it, it, it was, but the, the effect of that was so potent and impressive and presumably emerged from the synchronization of a dynamic system and a scripted mm. system. And there's lots of that kind of very oh. subtle, really artful stuff in the game. It's, yeah, it's good. But, I mean, uh, at the same time, is all of that stuff, like, as good as all of that world-building stuff is, its UI is as bad in equal measure. (laughs) It's astonishing that there has a game where the shoot button is inconsistent and can sometimes mean interact with your horse. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or, or talk to a Shooting person. Shooting is an interaction. Well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> you know, sometimes you'll it'll say, talk to the stranger, and then left trigger. And then other times, left trigger will be pull your gun at somebody. And so it gets confused itself. Sometimes it says, point your gun with right trigger. I'm like, hmm, that sounds like the shoot button. And it says point. And then I... Point of the gun, shot him in the head. Mission over. Look, <laughs> shooting involves pointing. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> But it's, yeah, it's 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 a Maybe real this mess. This is why Big Heidi is a bit afraid. Of her. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah. I've never shot Big Heidi. She's seen though. <laughs> yeah. She's right there. He does not know what he's doing. This man. Give me one, you know, one inventory access away from this instant death. <laughs> one left trigger, <laughs> and there's, I'm done. Yeah, there's some weird stuff with the systems as well. You gently kind of manage, yeah, yeah health and then there's stamina and then there's some other thing and this is based around some bar that appears to deplete quickly and then there's a core yeah. which gotta keep those cores up I don't know I, I've played it for yeah, maybe a hundred hours now I still have no idea what the those you those still don't know how close do. you are to death no, it's got, it doesn't make any sense at all it's like a weird UI paradigm where like there's a a thing in the center and then there's a bar on the side and yeah. I can't remember which way around it is but yeah. whatever around it is it's the opposite of what you think like the one that's really prominent and noticeable is not that important and the one that's much oh is that right really okay well that would explain why I often die and I have no idea why <laughs> <laughs> yeah what is it a horse <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay but um, a miserable part of secrets <laughs> <laughs> a, what is a horse but a, a boat that can be afraid and <laughs> And what is a cowboy, if not a pirate of the land? Pip? Okay, I I mean, I'm not supporting any of what you just said, but I'm assuming you want to talk about Sea of Thieves. I do, yeah. Okay. Is that right? Wow. I mean, it's fine, but, like, are you okay? (laughs) I'm riding this segue all the way to the end of the line. That's my rock star story. And into the sea. Uh, Sea of Thieves, uh, the rare game that Mm. I rejected because it involved me having to use the Windows Store and you know how I feel about the Windows Store Mm. Mm. and then um, I gave in because I wasn't going to play Destiny so I thought I might as well be a pirate and still have friends because you know Mm. friends play both of them and I'm not I'm not ready to go back to Destiny still Um, so I started playing that 
probably a month ago at this point and it has become one of my favorite games of this mm. year so like mm. and i think i started playing it just after they'd added fire so i've mm. never known that game without things being massively on fire within 10 minutes of boarding a ship so um but that seems to add quite quite a lot of action uh in in the form of putting fires out and uh, diving off the ship it feels like it's in a very good place i think you know, I mean, I appreciate we're coming to it the year after its release, but mm. it's obviously benefited from that subsequent year. And it's very rich. As, like, I think, uh, I think I've said on the podcast before that I don't necessarily always get on with co-op, really, mm. um, <laughs> because of my issues as a human. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we have played, like, a lot of successful CFTs co-op now. <laughs> let's let's see tell, do tell, you tell, agree what's your yeah what's your take um i mean i do my own thing and then chris says why are you over there <laughs> in a um, nice way in a nice way but there was a moment where have you told this story on the podcast i don't think i have the, um the the which one tale uh which one? Oh, so we did a mission on the main is oh the yeah this first? one yeah okay it's the very first mission in the game i think Okay, well, do you want to tell the story your way? And then I will... Maybe you can tell it your way. Let's, okay, so, thank you. This is a trap. Um, so, um, so we took, the, the tall tales are, like, story missions, essentially. Um, and I think one slight misopportunity is they're not... Uh, they are the same every time you do them. So when you load into a new multiplayer map, the position of islands changes. Um, but where certain things will be on a mission are the same. So you'll follow clues in, like, a, in, a, in a book, like you know of varying kinds so the first one in this one is always find uh we you know we we lost this particular treasure map uh in a a a, a toll of islands that wasn't on the map between these two islands so you find those two islands on the map and then you um try and locate a place between them you sail between them you're looking for some undiscovered island along the way then you dive nearby i marked on the map lots of circles in a line between those two islands so we knew the line on which we were searching Hmm. Chris came and removed all of them except the one in the very middle because it looked like a mess. <laughs> was like, where was the island? I don't know. It was, I in, was, it, was in, it was in the middle. Um, the, <laughs> um, yeah, so, and, and actually, sorry to maybe zoom out a little bit on Sea of Thieves as a whole. Sea of Thieves is really neat because it's a, you know, it's a piracy sailing simulator with a decent amount of mechanical depth in terms of mm. doing stuff with sails to make boat go fast, thinking about wind and the ocean is extraordinary as a sort of spectacle mm. and the rest of it. It's the best water I've seen in, in a yeah. game of that type. Yeah, I've been enjoying our screenshots. Yeah, yeah there's a few other games that do really interesting things with water, so I don't want to say it's the best of, of all, but yeah, it's, I've screenshotted so much. That's why I keep falling overboard, because I keep standing <laughs> right. precarious things and, and then walking off them by accident. And I think crucially for... Um, I don't know if there's a word for this, maybe Tommy might know, like... so. It obviously it's it's has a, a you know a lot of UI for like sucking through your inventory and finding stuff to use, but it's controlled entirely for the first person from the first person, and every device in the environment is physically present in the environment. So when you're controlling a boat, you don't go into boat view. Mm. Like I wonder if there's a word for always being in your own skin, even when operating at different modes of play, from mm. like firing a cannon to doing a boat. So if you want to uh, raise or lower the certain sails or angle the sails or drop the anchor or load a cannon, you are physically running around the boat doing all of that stuff. And that's the benefit of having other players with you because that's what they do is they do all this stuff. Uh, Well, no, your, your friend Dan does all this stuff, 
Pip takes photos. Well, but and fishes and fishes. Yes, yeah. um, and also experiments with like uh, I've realised that my instinct isn't to lower the anchor ever when yeah. there's treasure. It's just well, uh, there's treasure and then jump overboard and swim <laughs> to it and then make it someone else's problem fetching me. <laughs> so um, it has really set off my um, like I, I I don't have children. Um, but I now understand what I'm going to be like on a family holiday in a way that I didn't before we played this game. You know, like, in a sort of like, we're stopping, we're stopping. If you jump out again, we're stopping. Um, <laughs> um, but this, this is a, like, so to tell the story of this mission, you go into the thing, you're trying to find a particular item that will get you into a sort of underground Pirates of the Caribbean style pirate undead cave mystery sort of thing. And we go into this, uh, mystery chamber where you're going to have to be rotating uh, symbols on columns to try and match patterns and the room is filling with water, sort of Indiana Jones style. Um, what happened, Pip? Right, so <laughs> I want it known that before you open that room you have to put an idol in a place. Mm. And then we got into the room and Chris and our lovely friend Dan, who is the most responsible person ever in all of these missions, um, weren't sure how to like progress or what to do in that moment so i thought i would leave the room to go and see whether i could pick up Hmm. the totem thing to then bring it back in in case we needed it for something else meanwhile chris activates something that shuts the door and i'm like well i'm outside and then you and dan will go but why are you outside why did you run off we're drowning and we can't solve this puzzle yeah and so i was like but i mean i'm good at puzzle solving so this is a shame isn't it i I remember this slightly differently because i remember entering the puzzle chamber that you have to activate initially by using a lantern to light certain torches and that starts the puzzle and you being so immediately bored, you basically bunny hopped in a circle around the room and immediately left. <laughs> then the door closed and we drowned. <laughs> I did do that, but I didn't do that without reasons. I thought, this is dull, I'll try something else, and left the room to try something else. We've had loads of good moments with mm. it, and uh, sea battles are very, like, you don't see other ships, other ships are always either like an undead ship, like an NPC encounter. Mm which are quite uh, sort of uh, rigid in the way they can happen and they, their ships can flee back under the sea um, as skeletons are wont to do. Um, any other play, any other ship you see is players and what they choose to do is up to them. Um, if you find treasure, you've got to get it back to an island with a shop on it to sell it and anyone, any other player can take it in that time mm. and do whatever. It's all very sort of analogue and there in the world. There's nothing sort of really registered to your account or any bonus you get just from finding treasure. You have to return it as well. And the sea battles are genuinely really cool. I really enjoyed them. I had some really bad ones yesterday, actually, mm. which was really annoying. Cause, how, how, um, is it, how, how does a bad sea battle so manifest itself? It wasn't exactly that the, the battle itself was bad. It's that it was one of those scenarios where either the people that we were fighting were genuinely like expert PvP people right. who probably played a lot of the arena mode. And were therefore just able to outgun us at every available opportunity and just had a blunderbuss and could like get on the ship. And as soon as they were there, right. it was just 
who has flailed for a gun first wins or you know they would like camp our you know the spawns back onto the boat kind of thing and Hmm. took all of our treasure um so it might have just been that they were really good but also there were a few moments where we had that then they kind of were pursuing us across the map in ways that didn't feel quite right like so it was like how do you know where we are at this point like Hmm. and you know we would you know like they'd sunk our ship at point so we'd spawned somewhere completely different so it was like Mm. how are you here immediately Mm. and it kind of felt like i don't know how big of a problem cheating is in that game or whether you know these are specific things that that people are exploiting or anything like that and then there was a moment where um we were uh one of our crew was actually on the enemy ship at some point so they could see that it was like really badly damaged and was taking on water and all of that stuff and a few minutes or a few moments later it was fine and it's like that's not possible Mm, you have to have Mm. got the wood and and like fixed the thing and bailed it out and it would so it, it it was those things that tipped me over into yeah i don't this isn't quite really true but it it's it was one of those slightly sour experiences that I'm kind of sad that I had so close to this podcast because it was like, oh, it felt like the the sort of thing where you you just feel run off a server, you know, right. you feel like oh well if we're going to play more we should just you know stop and mm. then regroup and then log in again and hope that mm. they're not there and mm. that that's kind of sour but well hopefully those things will be fixed over time you know I as think... exploits are discovered yeah i'm assuming that it's just that ongoing you know um oh what's it called the uh, the arms race you mm-hmm. know between the mm. developers and people who hack things um, did anyone see uh, Chris Livingstone's article about a, a sort of semi-griefing strategy he was using no I don't remember this right it was something like uh, he was basically sort of stealing people's ships by uh, uh, hiding and placing I think like barrels of dynamite near right. the shop and waiting till they went to sell their stuff and then shooting a barrel and killing them all <laughs> And then taking this oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, that would work. So this this is maybe leads into the story of the time we furnished an excellent experience for some other people we'll never know, mm. which is we went on a really long journey and we amassed many, many pow- barrels of gunpowder, which are very valuable, but they're also good weapons. You can I drop was nothing them. to do with this. You were. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> um, the, you know, gunpowder, you can go and sell it to a trader. It's also, you can be used as a weapon in a bunch of creative ways. You can drop it behind the ship into the path mm. of another ship like the that's one thing i'd say is really super positive about its, its ship combat is it's so analog like when you're firing a cannon you want the cannonball to go in under the waterline because that will affect how much water the ship takes on they create holes in ships people are going manually patching up as mm. the ship literally fills with water rather than it being just you've taken 20 points of damage or something like that it yeah, feels really cool lightning just after a kraken attack yesterday. <laughs> yeah exactly like lot. Hmm. Yeah, like, you know, chasing a, a, a player ship and having them try and flee into a storm and chasing them feels like it should. That's a big yeah. achievement. And sometimes you lose sight of them because the waves are so big at that point. That's yeah, and you're looking for that mast and things. And one of you is climbing the mast so that you can and look. And you can and... go dark by switching off your lanterns. And, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. It's not, you, I think you'd like it, Martha. Yeah, it's you would good. enjoy. Yeah, it's um, only the window store that's uh, yeah. Yeah. from it. Um, yeah. but so we were on this adventure and we'd done a bunch of runs successfully and I remember we got to port and we had there's a current event on our or most of the current season where you find this treasure chest you can sell but they're locked you can, and you find these keys that you can sell but they're you know ideally you want to find both in a single run 
and we had a mix we had like a couple of keys I think and we were trying to go and try and find some of these chests but we were also been collecting gunpowder and um, like because it's valuable um, but we thought we might use it as a fun weapon or something like that and we were keeping it at the back of the ship because you can pick exactly where treasure goes on the ship they're big craft you can go and place them all in a certain place we'd hidden them under the stairs basically hmm. and again I didn't <laughs> Dan and I were trying to make this safe for everybody and <laughs> and I we got to port we were in port and I said look I think we need to make a decision I think we need to decide to do either finding the cool treasure mm. or becoming gunpowder smugglers who may also use this get to use their stash as a weapon I think if we try and do both we're going to explode and get neither <laughs> so let's cash in one of these things now like probably the profitable thing to do would be cash in the, like the six barrels of gunpowder we had or the um the other stuff and then just become you know a liability basically a floating liability anyway uh no no one was listening to me chris no if memory serves <laughs> you suggested selling all but two of the gunpowder yeah that's i very nice. much enjoy this christmas airing of the grievances <laughs> <laughs> and you knew full well that i was not going to do that because i was doing something else i'd mm. wandered off yes so had, yeah. i really feel like that was on you and so it's down <laughs> to you and dan because like mm. that was clearly where the plan was because i was nothing to do with the gunpowder at all mm. and so i think from that point onwards um the fact that neither of you sold four gunpowder barrels is entirely on both of your heads. I asked everyone else what they liked to do. No one gave me an answer. I just got on with it. So anyway, we made no decision. And we went along with both. <laughs> and, um, and we were sailing across the sea. And then we got into... I think another ship came for us and they overshot us. Mm. And they were... I think we were in a brigantine. They were in a galleon. So they were in a four-player ship. We are in a three-player ship. Because you have different sized ships or different group sizes. And... Um, and we gave chase, and it was like one of the best, like organized, like acts of outmaneuvering. You know, a lot of it is like knowing because you have to be able to say, like, we're going to pass them on the left, get to the port side cannons. Mm. Right. You know, that sort of, you know, um, because if players are in the wrong place, then you're not going to fire when you get this opportunity to fire. An opportunity to fire, you have limited ammo on the boat. Like opportunity to fire accurate, sparse. You know, mm. it's, it rewards you know robust teamwork, the sorts of things I love. Really, really well. The only person who does care, um, and, and and like, and I, I'm not going to say I get a little bit bossy in these moments, but I'm a little bit bossy because I'm steering, and I can do, do you have a clipboard with you as well? He has a captain's hat on, and like, but it's really satisfying when it all comes together because you can do things like um, if you drop the anchor. Uh, well, at speed, mm. um, you can basically do a, like a handbrake turn, um, <laughs> or you can harpoon onto an enemy ship and, and then just, like, like try to swing around. Oh, wow. like, you, yeah. Or if you've got a rowboat with a harpoon, you can ride the rowboat as a kind of weird like skateboard attached to a oh, bus, awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which and... worked amazingly until Tom Hatfield just disappeared from the rowboat, and we're like, "Are you alright?" And he's like, "I'm in the sea." <laughs> And so we're chasing this other, this this galleon and like getting quite a lot of good shots in beneath the waterline and always nipping past them really quickly so they're not getting shots off and they seem in a bit of disarray. We do a cool boat power slide and uh, dropping the anchor is really quick. Raising the anchor is really slow, um, but the more players are hoisting it, the faster it goes. So you can do these coordination things like drop the anchor, spin everyone on the anchor, get it back up again, and we're we're going again. And then we get to this point where we're closing. It's very exciting. And they fire one shot, 
and it's that bit in like a hornblower novel or something where it hits the magazine like it goes straight in under the the deck goes straight into those six barrels of gunpowder and we (laughs) explode like a like it's i think that's about as much gunpowder as you would realistically ever have and so i don't know what these these other players experience was but i wish i wish i could have seen their been in their group chat or on their yeah. discord or whatever at that moment where they go like oh shit these, these assholes are still chasing us someone goes like i'll fire once and then our ship detonates <laughs> like like we've just all decided to leave <laughs> and Nova. like yeah we just go that supernova was the point where i realized that no one had sold the gunpowder <laughs> yeah. uh, like i got blown like 200 feet in the air and like died immediately and then i got an achievement for someone else selling an extraordinary amount of our treasure <laughs> yeah that was galling <laughs> <laughs> but five minutes later as I was sort wow. of like pootling around on a beach somewhere having respawned sort of everyone's like saying oh, should we get another ship and go out I'm like yeah <laughs> that's an amazing achievement congratulations <laughs> you lost in a really phenomenally bad way <laughs> yeah, exactly. you just did the economy yeah exactly <laughs> yeah but man yeah. the, the trickle down piracy <laughs> if you yeah. ever want to play it with us let us know it is really fun it is really mm. fun and also I go quite hard on like Yar and pirate roleplay. No one will come with me. Does insist on referring to things as important starboard. Um, I actually do as well because I like my neat hack of what has the same number of letters as left, and and that that is ah. I've earned my place on many a crew now. <laughs> that, that useful piece An of able information. <laughs> It's a huge relief to me when we play with people who, uh, like friend Ben who drops in, uh, who dropped in last time, um, who also get, there's a, there's a very specific guilt associated with, I'm taking this seriously. I'm taking this seriously. I'm taking this seriously. It's happening. It's happening. I'm like, tack the sails, tack the sails. We're going into the wind, you idiots. Like, and then, and then it all starts coming out. Well, partridge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, he yeah. He did shout at me to, about the anchor at one point, and I'm just kind of I like... had to sprint the length of the boat to drop the anchor because we, we were going to crash. And I was like, Pip, can you drop the anchor? Because we stood right next to it. But I was busy. No. <laughs> you can also spend your real money. No, I think I said, what now? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I'm just doing different things. I have different skills. It was a lovely photograph of the anchor that she did. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I think all of Pip's amazing, and they are amazing, see if these screenshots yeah, they need are. to be understood for the context that behind the camera is my avatar <laughs> on fire running like, <laughs> like trying to like hoist yeah. sails. And like, when I play with the uh, PC gamer people, like we are now in the habit of basically at the end of a session setting our ship on fire and gradually watching it go down. <laughs> and usually we've forgotten something important and um, our friend Tom has to just like suddenly like run on board, you know, like, has to, like swim and then climb up the side and he's on fire and he's like, right, I've got the thing. It's like, sorry. So yeah, so I like that game. It is it good. Very good. It is good. And it, the only thing it asks, it gives you for selling treasure, progressing is cosmetics. It's mm. an interesting thing about it. There's no real leveling up. You've got mm. everything you need from the beginning of the game, which is a recurring theme, I think, for games I like. But I'm trying to work out what to spend hats. my money on. Because yeah. um, a friend of mine got so annoyed that I wouldn't upgrade. Like, or he hated how I looked in the default, like, <laughs> shit armor. Mm. Or, mm. like, the, you know, the stupid, like, raggedy cloth and oh, yeah. plain things. So now I will never not wear it. And <laughs> so every time we, we have a massive haul of treasure, I'm like, oh, look what I bought. And he's like, is it is it clothes? And you're like, no, no, it's a telescope. <laughs> it's sails. 
Good um, good so. hurdy gurdies as well. Oh, you can play the hurdy gurdy with your friends. It's got dynamic hurdy gurdy syncing across mm-hmm. multiple musical instruments. And you can make a little monkey dance. You can. You can buy. Oh wow! You can buy animals for real money, give them names, and then make them dance. What one's yours? Uh, I have a, a cockatoo called Mister Skeleton, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is not you can have big Heidi in this. Like uh, you know, you could have a big Heidi. You could have a big yeah. Heidi. Um, yeah, some people thought that was. Um, because of the phrase thank Mr. Skeleton um, which I think maybe stems from Dark Souls actually um, but it's not it's because of a complete misunderstanding of the a name of a character in the incredible mm. um, Wachowski uh, movie uh, Jupiter Ascending mm. <laughs> I have seen that I don't remember any of it which it's, is probably a blessing there was a character who definitely wasn't called Mr. Skeleton <laughs> who I completely misunderstood as being Mr. Skeleton yeah. Sean part we turn up as somebody who can control bees Sean, like Sean, uh, no, uh, Sean Bean. Oh, sure, Sean Bean. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, name, it's in the name. <laughs> bees. Well, right. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'd be good if you could actually control bees. Like. Oh yeah, it's a past tense of bee. Yeah. <laughs> a dead bee, a bean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so, a good film. How are we mm. segue? <laughs> uh, well. I would like to segue, if you will, join me in this, um, from the ships of the ocean, mm. as they were horses of the sea, mm. to the horses of space, ships of space, spaceships, the outer wilds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, outer wilds is on a lot of lists. It's on a lot of lists. It's on Alex, Tom and Chris's lists, in fact. So, the burden mm. of speaking now falls to us. Is it yes. on other Tom's list? I don't know. I don't have it on this huge <laughs> Despite the <I> space. <laughs> um, but no. Other was a amazing game about exploring a solar system that is dying in about 22 minutes. And uh, you... When it does die, or you die much before that, because you fucked up, <laughs> as you often will, uh, you wake up again at the start of the cycle and you get to do it all again and there's almost no real progress beyond just what you learn mm. um, in fact there is no progress beyond what you learn it's just um, almost all of it is in your own head some of it gets recorded in a ship's computer mm. um, and so and it's just amazing that that works at all that, that, that you can make a whole game of that like it probably took me 20 maybe 25 hours to, to sort of milk it for all its secrets and get to the uh, you know you can finish it um, and I did and I along the way I got I think I I answered every mystery that the game presents to you um, there was only one question mark on my whole like info web of my ship's computer and that's like there's a moon of a certain planet that's got a fucking volcano on it and you can land there and there is something there to see but I've never seen it um, and you've got to do that to like uh, scrub that off your ledger but I ended up having discovered everything that the game sort of wanted me to discover and having answered, it raises all these questions. You're, it's almost, you're from this race of like four eyed weirdos on a little moon. But it's almost exclusively about this other race, the Nomai, who existed many thousands of years before you and you're discovering what they were working on and what, uh, your own race are really pretty uh, have a pretty limited understanding of, the, of this solar system and, and its history. 
And they've sent out astronauts before you, but those are stranded on various planets and they're sort of like nice little touchstones to figure out just to get a sort of overview of where you can go and where you might want to go. Uh, you can find the stranded astronauts and talk to them. But really, even they don't know like 1% of what has happened here. And most of the game is you discovering the history of the Nomai and what they were doing. Um, and they are a race of big fucking nerds. <laughs> uh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> fucking squares in this game everywhere. <laughs> hey. Uh, <laughs> Just kind of think of something to pit now. <laughs> oh, I'm not here. <laughs> Actually, the Nomai are not here. So. <laughs> There's a lot of absentees in this game. Hey! <laughs> yes, full set. There's some huge anglerfish. <laughs> um, uh, I forget what I was saying about them now. Uh, Big nerds. Yes, and so they're, they're engineers. They are incredible at engineering, and all the things you discover about them is just holy fuck, you build this, and then you build this, and you were trying to build this, and then you almost built that, but it went horribly wrong <laughs> for reasons that uh, I don't know initially. And it's, a, it's definitely a masterpiece in non-linear, non-linear storytelling. Um, but even better, I was talking to someone about this uh, recently, uh, her story is also, you know, sort of uh, another big step forward in non-linear storytelling. But there are some people for whom her story just didn't work because they just searched for the right thing in the first three searches mm-hmm. and they get so like a major revelation. Uh, and after that, it's all a bit of a downer. I don't, I've never heard of anybody having that experience with Outer Worlds. Mm. Uh, I know mm. some people who didn't get, get into, they didn't get far enough with it and they got stuck on something. There is a certain amount of manual control you need to uh, get to grips with to get some to some places. And some things are time sensitive. And so if you're struggling with controls in general, um, mm-hmm. it can be hard to, to get to the heart of the game. And the final thing you have to do in the game is manually taxing. It's difficult to perform uh, in many ways. But you can get to a, to sort of 90% of it. Um, uh, and whatever order you discover it in, it's fascinating. It's so, like, it just for me at least, it was delivering question after question and answering them and every answer would raise more questions and there is so much to it because the, the timeline of it is you know stretches thousands of years um and just figuring out why were they doing this at that point and then they stopped doing that and they started doing this and they were really really ready for this one eventuality but if that happened why didn't the thing they were trying work and if it didn't happen why aren't they still here and all these conditionals of like uh, trying to figure out how we got to this state where all this stuff has already happened, but they're all gone. They're all dead. And uh, what they were planning didn't come to fruition, but something did. And they've left all these things behind. And there's just all these like fascinating clues. And I, my, the reason it's um, in my game of the year list uh, is discovering an online story often has these moments of revelation where you're like, oh my God, oh God, this clicks into place. And those always feel the sweeter for the fact that you triggered them. You, by learning this, you have just realized, oh, this connects to this. And that's so different to like a movie that's that's just where the twist is presented to you. And you might guess the twist like a little bit before you're supposed to guess the twist and that feels good. Uh, but this is like that writ large is like, the game has no idea where I am and what I know and where my gaps in my knowledge are. And when I piece these puzzle pieces together, that's incredible. And I was just, um, I've been trying to f- figure out a spoiler-free way to, <laughs> to describe the moment I had. But just looking at something in space and thinking, huh, that doesn't actually match my rule, my, what I thought the rules were of this thing. And then realizing, 
Unless... Oh! Oh! Oh my god! <laughs> Three of my biggest questions about the whole game's history just all clicked into place, like one after the other, like a chain reaction. Like, oh, and that means... Oh, so that's... So the thing I've been seeing all along is this. <laughs> that explains this. That explains this. Ah, huh. oh, it all fits together. That's just so satisfying. And so... And just amazing that that just happened. That wasn't even... It's not even like an event that happens in the game that, you know, you can interpret multiple different ways. It was just... Uh, incredibly ordinary scene that you know uh, I'd seen many many times before and this time I just thought about I had the one thought that would lead me to this revelation I think that's, it was, oh, okay. I was just going to say that's on my list of games to try again with over um, over Christmas it's on there with um, Life is Strange 2 actually um, where I because actually I played the the alpha version that they had out like the ancient build that I think was from the IGF yeah. millions of years ago at this point and so I played that several times over like while waiting for the game to, to come out and then I bought it when it turned up and I didn't even get into the spaceship I hated <laughs> the controls of doing that practice flight that you oh, do yeah. so much that I was just like I am not in the mood for this right now. I don't need to play it for work, so I'm just going to come back to it when I'm in a different mood and mm. see if it clicks. And, like, Life is Strange 2 is a very different thing where I played the first episode for work, for a work review, and then thought, no, I'm going to wait until the whole thing's out and I've got a minute to actually sit and play it properly. But, um, yeah, like, it's... I, I definitely want to sink my teeth into it, but something about the controls just didn't work for me, and I... Yeah, in a quite horrible, I can't be in the world if this is how I have mm. to interact mm. with it way. It'd be worth, uh, if you do get to the spaceship, just worth seeing how it feels from that perspective. Because doing, when you're doing the, the model thing, thing, you're doing it in yeah. third person, which mm. is, I think, yeah, it's a step it's harder really hard. than what you actually end up right. doing. Okay. I was going to say, I think um, I think this is an absolutely extraordinary game. Um, and uh, that goes quite a long way. Like, I, uh, maybe I'll leave with this. I legitimately think this might be one of the best games ever made. Mm. Like, I, it's not like you know spoilers for what my top of the year is going to be but like <laughs> genuinely I think it's an absolutely extraordinary piece of design mm. like and I agree with some niggles about the controls and things but ultimately like one of the reasons it works as well as it does is it is not just that it's a successfully non-told non-linear piece of storytelling it is because it is a story about mechanics both the the inventions of the Nomai and, and trying to unpick a piece of technology that was in the process of being created and the, the story of why, but also that the fact that the solar system, I know you've written about this, mm. Alex, the solar system that the game takes place in is itself a mechanical object, right? From a game point of view, it's just, it's partly simulated, you know, um, part of the, some of the environmental factors that you're negotiating, the puzzles you're solving, the barriers you're overcoming are strictly sort of simulationist in their kind of approach to their, how they're designed. And the whole thing is this piece of clockwork that kind of ticks towards its inevitable end and then restarts. And all of these things taken together are like, I don't know how you better them in a certain way because, um, or without repeating them, you could probably polish them or do different remixes of them. But in terms of just creating an experience, it's kind of unlike anything else. It solves all the problems that things like Her Story have or that other attempts to do nonlinear narrative, traditional narrative in games have, because games are really good at telling stories about systems that often struggle to tell games about, tell stories about people, you know, or, or about, you know, particular moments of personality or drama and things like that. Like her story, I think, is a successful example of this. And I think it's an obvious counterpoint to um, 
to uh, Outer Wilds in some ways because they're both information games. They're both games where you progress at the speed of your own understanding and where the biggest moments of drama, as you pointed out, Tom, are where something changes in your brain. And it wasn't predetermined by the developers when that would take place. It's when your understanding shifts and the immense satisfaction that comes from that. The huge advantage that Outer Wilds gives itself is, as I say, it's ultimately a story about the attempt to understand how the universe works and and how you can interact with it, which is the story of every person playing a game ever, basically. Like, what are the rules of this place? What do I understand about the rules of this place? How do each of these game mechanics work? And they're so tightly entwined what the story is and what the mechanics are that you discover them both organically at the same time, basically. Mm. So it is basically without dissonance in that sense. <laughs> and I appreciate... Don't drink. Everyone, <laughs> regurgitate. Everyone can see. Everyone can see, right? <laughs> and that's like, it's such an extraordinary thing. And the great thing about that is it works on so many levels. It's an advantage because it fits what games are good at. Um, they, you know, making drama and there are, you know, that's not to say that it's a dry story. Like there are characters in it and there are stakes for these characters and things you're happy and sad to see them succeed or fail at. Um, but it naturally fits what games are good at. It also succeeds because it's non-verbal in storytelling a lot of the time. You can look at what's happening to a planetoid or to a part space and derive some dramatic impact just from either the visual aspect of it or something so few games manage to achieve, some actual emotional impact from the way mechanic works. Like, you know, oh shit, this thing happened to this character because of the way this quirk of space physics, you know, made up for the purposes of this game space physics function. Like, that is an extraordinary achievement for games, I think. I think it's enormous, like, I, I, um, I think this would be an amazing game for, um, you know, kids who are old enough to control it, to encounter, because there's nothing in it that is, you know, there's no objectionable content in it, basically. Some of it's a little bit scary. It does have some ocean willies, mm. uh, for you to discover. <laughs> for sure. Um, I know several and, adults who cannot progress in this game because of the, the ocean or space willies. <laughs> yeah. Cosmic willies. Um, because, um, but like, it's got, like, it feels weirdly to me like the kind of dream games you project when you're a kid where, like, there is this sort of, uh, the way I was thinking, I was thinking about this earlier before we recorded because I wanted to try and articulate how much I think this game is fucking brilliant is like, it feels somewhere between like an incredible, strange sort of, um, uh, movie for kids in a way like these cartoon aliens that sort of have these sort of strange lives and these weird vistas and strange planets that don't make any logical sense but would stick in your mind forever um like just an incredible movie but also being completely non-linear like not just a overture at non-linearity or of choice but li literally completely non-linear yeah. so anyone who makes their way organically through that whole game and I'm, I'm very glad that and i would recommend this to anyone who plays it if you get stuck ask a friend who's finished it like, you know, seriously, if you get stuck, DM me on Discord if you don't know anyone else who's finished it. Because, you know, I DM'd you when I yeah. was stuck. And that was the way I got help. Because Googling things or looking on a wiki is how you spoil it for yourself. It's supposed to be, a, you know, you get your own progress through it. Because you can get stuck. I certainly did. I gave a tiered series of clues where yeah. <laughs> here's the least spoilery version. And if you don't, if you're still struggling, here's the next more spoilery version. Right, exactly. But, like, I can just, I genuinely don't think, I think there are a few better experiences literally in this medium than <laughs> getting through that on your own steam 
Yeah. Like there are definitely a couple amazing. of things where like I was on the right track, but I needed to Google it to to check that, mm. and it turned out. It was, I was, so it was fine. But. And it's like, it's not a spoiler, but like, the game at the end asks you to demonstrate your understanding of a lot of different mechanics in order to end it. Like, if you're going to get the ending, you've got to demonstrate how to tie it all together. And that I love, because it's like, bring this all, you know, bring it home, basically. Do it all at once. You've you've been living with this 20-minute uh, limit, which is such a great idea, because it means that you don't have that anxiety about finishing it. You know that everything's going to get reset, so you just do what you can do. And that in, this, in a stroke eliminates what would be a devastating big town problem for this mm. game um, and then the, you know when it comes down to it you're going to be asked to demonstrate all your understanding at once and suddenly it's like an adventure like you go on this adventure armed with all of this knowledge about how the universe works in a position of relative mastery if you can pull it off and it's one of these like it's like we've talked so many times on this podcast about how difficult it would be to make a heist game feel right I think the end of Outer Wilds it's the, obviously the theme is totally different, but it feels like a good heist game would feel. Yeah. Where you have all the pieces and you just need to do them and you know the timing. Like 15 minutes in, this needs to happen. And then you can, you can, it gives you this opportunity to like put your weight against the kind of ma- the machinery of the universe that you've been dealing with and learning about and then push it out of order and end it. And that is just a fucking hmm. like, that's not just spoilery, it's just a feeling. Like, that's not literally what happens, it's just the feeling of what happens. Like, it's it's a legitimately fucking extraordinary game. I love it a bit. My friend Nels pointed out something I hadn't thought about, which is, uh, he was playing it at home, and then he went to a friend's house and uh, wanted to just, like, resume. And, of course, he could just play the game, and he's where he left <laughs> off. Like, he, your save is in your mind. <laughs> like, mm. All the progress you've made is still in your brain, so you can just carry on yeah, where you, you can... left off. Load it up on a new save and finish it the first time. Because right, there is. Yeah. There's a couple of things at the end that do they do track some stuff you're doing, and, mm. and it'll be reflected in the end. So, uh... I do want to give a coda to the thing I just said because I appreciate this is probably the most glowing I've ever been about anything. <laughs> yeah, because um, I do think it's extraordinary. Um, I met uh, several developers out of Wilds at the Golden Joystick Awards this year, mm. um, and then hanging out with them, and it was it was great to to meet them and to hang out with them and to receive the huge amount of money you did from them. <laughs> 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 no, because I mean, initially like. Um, well, initially I was very sober. Uh, no, the, so initially, um, and I want to say the most humble people in the world. And, um, apparently a lot of the things I, I kept, you know, having this, like, I loved how you handled this. And I thought this was extremely clever. And I think this is absolute humility. But the answer to all of those questions was this was an accident <laughs> or nothing like this was the case until right in the last minute. Or, you know, we kind of actually just like, rearranged the entire game and we we were amazed it worked and we're sorry um, and I, I think a lot of that was humility and I completely understand and respect that um, however there's a chance that I'm uh, you know it was also just the product of a kind of random process it was like so much of it was there like six years ago yeah. like even long before the IGF build so I played it in the IGF three or four years ago um, and thought it was amazing then but uh, then there's like a tr- one of the first trailers they released for it. Um, I tweeted about it a while back. Um, and it's incredible how much of it is already there. Like almost every planet, I think, is there and has the same concept. Um, and another thing that I think is to the Outer Wilds credit is it, anytime you see a game bragging about procedurally generated planets, is every planet unique. If you play the Outer Wilds, you see what unique really means. <laughs> like, if you want to see every planet unique, that is what the Outer Wilds showcases, and it pretty much showcases why you can't procedurally generate that kind of uniqueness. Mm. Like the whole 
the the reason the planets are meaningfully different to each other is a very human reason it's kind of it's something that like oh yeah all of the things that are unique about this planet are things that i care about and that make it different in the way i interact with it and the way i feel about it the way it looks and um and when you're just sort of changing the cosmetics of a planet that can be amazing in, it, in itself but it's not the same thing as as it's the reason that that is not content when you just make planets look different it's not content when you make when you handcraft everyone has his own concept everyone has own rules of physics almost um and those i mean how many is there like six or something it's not very many mm-hmm. and that's like 25 hours of just absolutely engrossing fascinating uh that's gonna, that's gonna say, it's on your list yes uh i was just yeah i agree with everything you both said um uh just to add the mood of it mm. um i mean it can like if you haven't seen screenshots of it and listened to what you were saying it might sort of you might fear it was a quite a cold sort of calculating game about you know but actually the planet that you base <laughs> that, yeah, that you uh that you originate from is this kind of down like homely kind of mm. warm mm. place with yeah. trees and these kind of it's um, even called timber half yeah, yeah. Timber warm and trees half, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and One it's of the like a character you can do is roast marshmallows isn't yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I forgot about that actually. so it's, it's actually this really kind of you know and that's a place where like I'm sure like there have been a points where you've been playing where you've just stuck around there for a bit longer because the stuff outs were really mm. quite demanding and like yeah. this I just need a bit of time and sometimes to... the thing you just did took you 17 minutes <laughs> you're yeah. like well I'm remaining four minutes so I'm not going to get anything else done so I'll roast a marshmallow <laughs> but then like but then you go out to these other planets and as you were saying that they are markedly different with each other and they all come with their very specific sort of moods very specific settings like visually they are all really you know if you mm. see a screenshot you know where it's been taken like you just learn these places yeah. and it doesn't really matter where it's of like you can identify it and like the music really complements all that there's a particular musical motif that 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 that, that, that is through the entire that's that, that's struck through the game that's played by characters that you'll go and meet yeah. and th- these different strands of music that they play come together into one theme like yeah. holy shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah like and it's also got weirdly some of the most poignant experiences of like failing mm. in games. Like, one, that's one last thing I wanted to dwell on. Like because your your ship can break apart, you can end up adrift in space, and obviously the failure condition things are going to go wrong, and you're going to die after twenty two minutes regardless. Uh, but you can die in like a billion different ways otherwise. In, like, the cold bleakness of space, and there is something weirdly affecting about it, particularly when you realise like ah oh, I fucked this run, and it's not over in a sort of I'm back to the quick. Save it's like oh this run ended when I kind of slightly beefed this particular weird thing I was trying to do and now I'm drifting in space <laughs> and I'm sort of inexorably drifting towards the sun and the very sort of specific feeling of like well just all right fine <laughs> and then you're gone and then starts again like it's good it's like yeah it's basically that one scene in Groundhog Day where Bill Murray drives off a cliff but until in space <laughs> and eventually things get better another no Andy McDowell. Uh, another thing from my friend Nels who was watching there's a planet where like the crust is collapsing it's falling Mm. into the centre and you go underneath it and you can explore all these all kinds of things underneath the crust and he's underneath it and saw a chunk falling past him and on that chunk was his spaceship (laughs) (laughs) Uh, mm, uh, (laughs) I did sort of need that (laughs) we're back now we've all been to the toilet 
<laughs> Incredible. You I, I didn't. I, I wanted to show some solidarity with those who had. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Brian. That's right, man. I hope you had a great time. Uh, and it's time for the good times to keep on rolling as we segue from a game about... Uh, well, was that, so I've done the segue. I did the segue already. Then everyone's like, oh, I need to go to the toilet. Sorry. So, whatever. Well, why don't you pick different words and see if I get it this time? Okay, fine. <laughs> All right. So we've, we're going from a game about exploring a uh, solar system and trying to uncover the mystery of the ancients who resided there uh, while also piecing together a sort of... Uh, uh, a format of information that uh, we can uh, comprehend from the environment and inference of how different systems interact with one another. Uh, that's Outer Wilds, a game that fits also that description. Yes. Is uh, uh, oh, uh, uh, Mario, yeah. James Super Bond, Mario Galaxy <laughs> Two, Mario vs. Rabbits. Um, yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, telling lie. No, it's Heaven's Vault, isn't it? <laughs> mm, yes. Heaven's yeah. Vault. Pip? Yeah. So, <laughs> Heaven's Vault is a sort of language and archaeology detective game. Does mm. that ring true for everybody? Yeah, I, I guess. Mm. I thought it was about space and information. Uh, that's what Chris you would have it. you believe. <laughs> I think that's the thing is because when you said space and information, those are the two things I absolutely don't think about really in that game. Hmm. Like you do travel between like planets and stuff, but it doesn't feel like space travel in the way that a lot of other games do it. It feels very weird. Yeah. 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 The the frightened horse of the sky. <laughs> the big idea of the sky. <laughs> big idea of the sky. Um, I think that's one of the translations actually. It's very tricky. <laughs> what does this mean? It seems to be on a boat context, but something of the sky, big something. And also, like, and this isn't to take issue with what you were saying. It's more just like a personal. Um, please feeling, do. Like, it's um, you can edit that like eye roll out, maybe really that's, unreasonable. Uh, we don't have the budget for that. The camera just sees what it sees. <laughs> This is very verite, you know, like... Oh, well, okay. Just capturing well, this moment in time in quilts. I've forgotten what I was saying. It's fine. Heaven's fault. Oh, so yeah, the reason the information side didn't ring true exactly mm. or didn't prompt that memory was because um, the, the information that you're seeking is particularly, like, to do with people and to do with archaeology and to do with this sort of sense of this main character who is actually a lot better at piecing together people from thousands of years ago than she is interacting with the people around Mm. her now Mm. and so she like there's this sort of like strange loneliness and connection at the same time that that to me feels very specific to you know the humanities and to you know Mm. um something a lot more fungible than than pure information um, what? It's a good word. It's a fucking good word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you cracked out the best word of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's not big hiding. You could call it fungible. <laughs> fungible asset. Um, wow. <laughs> Tom, if you need company names. <laughs> Just name my um, but yeah, so essentially you go around uh, different locations and uh, different sort of space rivers um, 
exploring ruins or exploring areas and collecting lots of different scraps 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 of text and uh like artifacts and things with with stuff written on it um, that's the word for a discarded script <laughs> <laughs> nice um and through that like through contextual clues and through um you know uh trying to decipher the grammar of the language because it does have a grammar um you you start picking up like oh that means something's in the past tense that means you know this thing is to do with people or this thing is to do with this other you know uh this is a multiple of something or this this is the symbol that actually means not at the front of the the word and so you start being able to um get a better handle on on what the text is and then actually it, it in common with uh outer wilds <laughs> yep. you when you reach the end you can actually restart the journey and it keeps all of the words that you knew for certain so if you had put them in multiple contexts and they made sense yeah. the game treats that as like oh you definitely have the correct translation it adds it to your in-game dictionary and Mm. so you can go through progressive loops um doing slightly different things or like you know exploring things in a slightly different order but but it does give you it generates slightly different snippets of text not always but um i i definitely from the first playthrough to the second playthrough the second playthrough had a lot more complex structures Oh, yeah. of um of uh text and so i was able to you know get more out of it i think i've done a few loops now and so i booted it up the other day just to have a tinker around and i'm the the amount that i am learning the the rate at which i'm learning new words has really slowed down and um and now i'm at the kind of the trickle point so there's definitely a a cadence with that but i'm still that... i'm still finding stuff to do in it so yeah because like the game throws at you a constant stream of little artifacts and inscriptions basically every time you find anything doesn't really matter what it is uh, as soon as your character says oh there's an inscription mm. that's when you know oh, there's gonna be some language game stuff um, yeah. and that's the really fun part and so because those are a lot of those are barely or it's not it's not plot crucial what is on the item or what the item is sometimes they're they're very themed to the location but there's a lot that you just find in general and just mm. oh i found a thing and even when someone gives you something it could be a random thing um and so on new game plus that they can just switch in new ones of those that use words you don't know yet but so once you know like 95 percent of the words that you're encountering and you, you're given a new thing and if you know all the words does it just sort of auto complete or do you have to still have to drag the so i think it depends on the artifact and i don't it's been a while since i played it properly this was only a sort of dropping in to check a few things the other day um and i remember some of them did auto complete some of the text but i think um one of the one of the ways that the puzzles of this text work essentially is it shows you the script or the the string of symbols but it in common with other like ancient languages earth languages they don't have spaces and so Mm. part of the puzzle is actually determining where a word ends or if actually that word is part of a different construction and things like that and so um so it doesn't necessarily, like, I think the only ones it auto-completes are more sort of um, the, the plot ones, I right. guess. If you if you know all of the words, it's just going to whack them in there or things like that. Um, There's so much with that. 
Like, it doesn't sound like there would be a lot of ambiguity in where the word where would go. Like, there'd be a hard and fast answer to that, but there isn't because of the way the words are constructed from symbols that relate to their meaning and especially stuff around knowledge and holiness and temples mm. and emperors and all these things that are super common in an ancient society. So many of them involve, like, the symbol for people, the symbol for wisdom, the symbol for this, in, but just in different orders. Yeah. This of that uh, dot this mm. means something different to this dot that of this. Some of it is more pictogram-based, so you can take an educated guess at what water is yeah. or what, yeah. like, you know, crops or, you know, that kind of thing is. Um, and it helps you out a bit with, um, like, it point. The, the game is quite good at pointing out if the imperial seal is on there, so you can take a guess mm. that, like empress or something is going to be in there i think uh i remember there was one frustration that i had which was that i at some point because i went full nerd on this and so i started (laughs) i started breaking down the syntax and like trying to figure out the actual rules for the language so i got to the point where i could actually decipher things the game wouldn't let me decipher because you can only drag and drop from from the vocabulary that you have and i'm like no i know what that says it just won't let me say uh, it (laughs) i think it's like if you get to the point where like you drag all the right symbols in and the only word remaining you don't know is there's just one word mm. then it'll say okay you, then this must be this or something yeah. um, but if there's two of them it won't do that mm. even when you're just like I know every symbol in this and it makes absolute sense with everything else but there's no way for me to just say that to you yeah because the way that you the, the way that you kind of orient yourself with new words is that once you've decided where the spaces will be in that sentence um it breaks them down and you can like click on the one that is a symbol that you don't actually know or the word that you don't know and it shows you stuff that looks like it or that uses some of the same symbols um so that you can say oh, okay i think that one it, it's kind of like this in some regard and then i'll take something from this so you know if this is a negative thing and if this is to do with fields maybe it's like oh you know famine or so do you know what i mean like you'd mm. be able to maybe try and start making those connections but if you don't have those other words it won't let you know the syntax or it won't let you know right. those things but um i just i got text hungry i was just like <laughs> i went around talking to everybody and every time they didn't have like text they it was just like well you're useless to me <laughs> and i was kind of at that point playing as the crotchety kind of archaeologist i was just like these people what are they for words. if they're not gonna like yeah. tell me about daggers and I love like the that. image of like a local child offering you a flower and like, you slap it out of a hand where's the fucking inscription <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and um yeah it's just i i really love the i love the aesthetic as well i know a lot of people bounced off that but i actually really liked it it's, it's very weird like you don't see people's feet they sort of their legs fade out and yeah. there's a very no stop motion is the right word a very keyframes version of animation yeah between the, yeah I, I did find, so there's a lot I didn't like about the presentation, but it did have a really particular atmosphere to it. It's mm. very, like, chill. It's got a very it's relaxed austere. atmosphere, even as you're going... You're actually in quite a lot of danger. <laughs> it just sort of has this feel of, like, eh, I'm just riding a river to the next planet, and then we'll just show up and have a conversation along the way. And How did you get on with your robot? <laughs> it's interesting, because I've played... Because I've played a few loops... Yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. I've been nice and a complete dick to me. <laughs> I think I tried to sell it at one point. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I kind of, I actually, 
liked playing the main character as more of a kind of standoffish, mm. like quite kind prickly of person. Pushes you towards a level. Yeah, bit, you right? get this is one yeah. of the most prickly protagonists. Mm. Within games where you get to choose what you say, yeah. you, know, you get you do get options and you can be nicer, but she definitely has the it's really feels limits. like she's yeah, <laughs> not and people don't like you either. Like even people yeah. you've known your whole life are just really like pissed off with you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I think I think the only thing that I really didn't get on with was there were a lot of problems with the interspace travel certainly yeah. at first and i know that they've made a bunch of changes and right. like you can now just hand over steering entirely to the robot and mm. that does mean that you don't run up against these random ruins by the side of the these space rivers so you can't pick up those random artifacts from there but i think if you're just in that sort of frame of mind of i just want to get through this you mm. can 100% just not deal with oh interesting those space rivers if you mm. don't fancy them so yeah i think i really love it and it, <coughs> it's like nothing else i've ever really played yeah. in has there been another language. translation game of that kind of that kind of depth there's okay. a game called senia mm. which um mm. i played after I played this and that is it's obtuse and mm. it is awkward and it sort of doesn't like you so I had to you know like it it requires a lot of you it requires you wanting to play it basically right. but it that was really good because essentially you just you find this like almost like a, a tablet or a calculator or something in your you know, you put in, you can use the symbols and you put things in and it responds. And so you're sort of trying to, like, learn what these things are by trying to talk to it. And, like, the it's just quite hard to figure out the um, the interface, essentially. So I think I I looked a couple of things up on the, um, on the Steam discussions um, and I... I was um, I managed to get quite far through it, but I got stuck in a loop at one point, mm. and I think that was just a finickety kind of syntax thing. Because then I looked up what was happening there, and I was actually I think I was really close to to an ending, and so it was like oh okay, mm. but I, I think that was the point where it became frustrating because it was like, but I I, I got the spirit <laughs> of the thing, or like right, I, yeah. in in how I understood the syntax, this should have worked, but. Anyway, but that one's that one was really interesting. It's very like very lo-fi, but I really liked it. So mm. if you like language puzzles, check that one. Mm. 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 I created a fictional language this year for a game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For French. No. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> Just a French person to say, hey! (laughs) (laughs) Le hey! (laughs) Good. Where you'll be tried. Um... (laughs) Right, thanks. Oh, baby, when you dance like that. It was a war crime! (laughs) No? Oh, we've moved on. You make a woman go mad. So be mine and keep on watching the signs of my body. Disco Elysium. <laughs> <laughs> it's on many lists this year. Yep. Four of them, in fact. Good wow. Lord. In fact, oh, everyone here except Pip. 
didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that game. <laughs> I didn't want to spend any more time with those people. <laughs> Let's talk honest. about Disco Elysium. It swept the floor at um, uh, Big Jeff's Jeffarama. Is that a good thing? <laughs> yeah, he's there. He's got Disco Elysium. It's a legitimate and exciting award show and they deserve every moment swept of their success. The board. Hmm? Swept the board. What? Yeah, he's swept the board. Is that what was it? I swept say? the floor. floor. Yeah. <laughs> you can sweep the floor with someone, and that means like owning them. That does yeah. mean that, yeah. So look, big I'm, Jeff owns. I don't, I don't know what sweeping the board means, like metaphorically. What is that? Please release me from this. Is it like the board across room the board? Chris <laughs> across the, all of the boards. Okay, just, yeah, just go. sweep. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's a good look, game. They, it's a good game. They did well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I feel like my Landis. The, the primary win there is is the award show, like getting some legitimacy. <laughs> you get sort of because I don't really yeah. care what Jeff Keighley thinks exactly, but if when an award show says, "Oh, Disco Elysium is like one of our," you know, we're giving mm. three awards to this, I think, "Oh, okay, you actually know what you're talking about." You're not getting a Keighley card this year. <laughs> <laughs> I managed to both insult and compliment Jeff Keighley's thing. Um, it, it's it's easy to do both. The um, Yes, let's talk about Disco Elysium because it did, <laughs> it did factor in a lot of the lists and this segue has gone rogue in ways that I can't contain. I was, I was really relieved by it because... You've been hyping it for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> I, so, so I had a lot riding on this. <laughs> you got that some cost. What were you so into? Like, what was... What was it, what was it that grabbed me at the time? Well, yeah, like, because if you were hyping something before it was out, like, presumably there was something about the core concept or that you'd... With what well, the or... so they so the start of the game, the first half of the game has been pretty much locked down, more or less. Like I'm, there are, mm, I'm sure there are strands to it that, that have been introduced or tweaked, but fundamentally, the opening and the bar area where you start and that bit of town, like there's several hours of play that you know are more or less indistinguishable. You know, I'm sure there's those changes, but the mood and the voice and the what you do and the and the way that the systems interact and you know that was all set so uh, you played at like a preview time. event or something uh yeah what happened i can't remember oh that's right it was um it was i wrote a preview um that when they announced and did you get to make your own character for that uh it had presets yeah mm. i can't remember what what, what, mm. what i decided to play but like that you know so you know that that opening with you waking up just wearing underpants with the worst hangover all time, but that being prefaced with you sort of your deepest psyche kind of sort of writhing about in a suit of kind of existence and kind of, you know, being horrified by the, (laughs) by the reality of, you know, your character's self was all there. And like, it was fucking striking mm. and you know and that yeah. sort of stays mm. true for now just your brain talking to you is, yeah, yeah. is pretty unusual and then the fact that how granular that is like every part of your brain that's talking to you is also a skill you can put points into yeah. and, and the just kind of i don't know the the when you build a character in an rpg usually it's like part expression and part efficiency and there's often sometimes a tension between those two things, but really, actually, most of them are designed so that, like, whatever you put points into, it's going to be good. Fuck, that's right. <laughs> that is not... Uh, it is in airplane mode, but I had an alarm. <laughs> uh, and Disco Elysium, there's no... Like, the skills don't necessarily 
get you anything. <laughs> like, uh, Inland Empire and Shivers, there are so many different mm. skills that, that are some kind of hunch. Yeah. And I thought that, oh, that means, like, if you have that skill and you pass that check in the game, that means that you're like a you had a good hunch and that will lead you to the right path to solve the crime who oh, no. <laughs> like most yeah, of the hunches just... I had from like Inland Empire or Shivers which uh, I think especially Inland Empire like do not open this oh my god this door do not open it there's something horrible behind this door something terrible yeah. behind this door don't open it don't open it because <laughs> they like, sold it from the start like some of them will just mess you up like you get you put too many points into them and you do it's, you don't well, always want so, yeah. I, I kind of want to like I think there's a way of presenting this game makes it feel quite gotchery with it sort of hmm. like the way it kind of surprises you with its interpretations of the choices you've made it is such a the reason it's in my top three certainly is because it's such a humane yeah. game hmm. it is such a deep like it's easy to talk about it in a way that's risks i think misselling it because if it's just you've woken up with a massive hangover yeah, you know what I mean. Like, there's, there's a version your, of this. The limbic system's talking to you. It can all sound a little too kind of extract, abstract, yeah. and granular or philosophical, which it is. But I mean, it also, it is. It's deeply connected to just feelings and being a good person, being a human, yeah. like and being, and being a machine. Like, mm. what kind of animal am I? Is the kind of like central kind of question of that game. Like, I'm an animal who really was about to sneeze <laughs> until like seconds ago when I fucking got a lid on it. And maybe yes. this device will allow that moment to have been recorded in some way. It'll be an emoji, won't it? No, probably. <laughs> but like, you know, and, and that's what really, I think, um, it's almost redeems it because there's enough fiction in the world that focuses on what it's like to be a drunk man. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Or like a cool drunk man, particularly a drunk detective even. Mm. Like these things exist as tropes and it, it fucking skirts the edge of like dangerous tropeyville, yeah. On the way to actually saying something about being a shittyman town. <laughs> <laughs> shittyman town. <laughs> That's my understanding. Yeah. I think when we first discussed it, you said, "I mean, you raised those kind of concerns." You're like, "Well, maybe." I mean, oh, this is a great game, but maybe it would be more interesting if they'd gone for a less safe, less tropey protagonist. Yeah, I think that's that's still probably the case, but mm. I, I think it. It, it pulls it off even with those mm. caveats, you know. And that's... I think it plays with them as part of it. Yeah, yeah. I think it could. It could. Uh, I mean, there's no real reason for it to be more experimental than it already is, given that it's experimenting in lots of other areas. Mm. Right. I'm really curious what happens. So there's um, as you start to decide how to choose your dialogue choices and invest in your skills and how you want to sort of play this character, the game also feeds back to you, and, and you'll get thoughts that pop into your head of like, wow one of the ones I got was like, you seem to be very sorry about everything. <laughs> and now you're starting down the sorry cop path and there's a way to sort of like lean into that or you can resist it. And there's, so there are various like cop archetypes you can um, get classified into. I'm really curious what happens if you go to the superstar cop or the rockstar cop or whatever it is. Like the mm. one where it's like all flashy and I'm amazing and stuff. Because that, in, like in principle, to, that yeah. runs against what the, the sort of what's happening in the game, and also what I feel the game wants you to understand and believe, which is that your guys are just a wreck, like you fucked up, you're well, just a horrible. I can only imagine trashy. that plays out that you have a huge amount of self deluded ego, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? I know, but I want to see like how much does the game push back against it? Like, mm. You know, I know that my character will believe this, but do people? Do other people like deflate that? Yeah, I think what's what's great about it, and I was thinking about this relation to Outer Wilds actually, which is like these are the two games that I think I would put on a pedestal above anything else this year. Oh, yeah. and and they're so different in a way because Outer Wilds is 
this embracing of games is putting you on an even keel, right? Like your agency is completely manifest in the world in the direct way that you want it to be. The controls are very, can be finickety, but you, it's just you and your brain versus a puzzle. And the puzzle is also a story and that's where it's looking at skill and it's sense of triumph and the stories it can tell you come from. Um, like your cockpit is very literally in that little spaceship or in the little space suit that you're navigating around. Your cockpit in Disco Elysium is two steps back from that nestled in your own fucking brain, which all of, with all of the problems that your own fucking brain has. And you're trying to solve a similar kind of puzzle. Not, it's not a space mystery, but you're, you know, you're trying to piece information together and, you know, be a detective while also navigating, steering yourself around and not, not being a twat and combating your own prejudices and instincts and the base of stuff. And they, for me, at least they sit next to each other really complement in a very complimentary way of what games can do, mm. where it's, you know, good, like a discolism is a perfect example of how good writing can have you invest in every choice you make, no matter how insignificant in traditional game mechanic terms. And Outer Worlds is a testament of how good mechanics, clever planning can have you uh, look for meaning in even the smallest interactions with the world, which are like almost opposite things and yet kind of really complementary in how games can tell stories. Just one requires really fucking extraordinary writing, which is what Disco Elysium has. I think where I was at with it was, I mean, in part, you know, I mean, there's a few different components and I'd probably phrase this imperfectly, not least because of wine, but um, <laughs> I very much hit that game at a point where I did not have any real energy left to spend managing a man with issues in a position <laughs> of relative power yeah. and yeah. negotiating his sort of at that point as it appeared to me in the game I have no idea how this progresses but a lot self-inflicted mm. and it was yeah. just kind of like I do you know what there are so many other things I could do with this emotional <laughs> yeah, capital right now and you are not anywhere on that list you do mm. you do have to baby him and he is in a position of privilege and power but, but I, then, th- I think yeah. I that is a conflict that is pointed out by the game as well okay. I mean it's like yeah I think yeah. for me that became a sort of meta commentary on like how pathetic <laughs> this guy yeah, is yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's it, it was it was dunking on him uh, rather than asking you to sympathise with him, really. I think, I think maybe I'm hoping or a bit of both, that I suppose. it's a thing that other people then get get that experience mm. from. I don't... Mm. Maybe I don't yeah, I can definitely need see. that lesson more. Yeah. I don't know. Right. Well, I think, I think it's interesting because... That's not to say it's a lesson game or anything. Like, that's more just... Yeah, I mean, it is partly about rehabilitating uh, a, a fucking shitty man. And that can be a... That is obviously a, a fairly boring arc, <laughs> I think. But he also has other experiences in that world, which are which are really meaningful and, and, uh, mm. and, and you know, touching, I think. I think. The reason I describe it as humane is because I think it... You know, it's like um, like a film, for example, that takes an unsympathetic protagonist and shows you how they can be affected by emotions that you do relate to. It's, a, it's about drawing a bridge because I think I, I completely understand the the perspective of it's easier for the you know for us to well I'll say it's very easy for me to establish the or to relate to the position of a slightly drunk white man in a position of relative privilege, mm-hmm. um, but. 
it's like the it, it does a good job of drawing that back to really core kind of emotional moments like heartbreak and regret and things that you can kind of relate to and creates these sorts of empathetic ones both between characters and I think between you and the main character mm. which are like because he is ridiculous like I think even if you match him demographically you'll you'll very rarely match him um chemically <laughs> and the you know it's almost there to be at arm's length and the degree the, the length of that arm is is tbd but <laughs> but like the idea is you have the characters arm length and you have these moments where actually the emotional resonance of the story and things that are happening to them kind of successfully ping across that base and create these moments of genuine like emotional connection that work really really well mm. and frame the other decisions you're making and the way that character behaves in the world is either comedy or tragedy and either is redemption or kind of further damnation um i'm I'm running out of steam with this entire fucking point but that's you know <laughs> that like it's about that tension i think between how much do i want to sympathize with this character versus how much do i not how much is universally human versus how much is specific person's fuck up mm. and the fact that we're even talking about those terms i think is an extraordinary achievement for a rpg yeah I think a lot of it play- is is a comedy about what a fuck up this guy is, yeah. And you're you're sort of laughing at him more than laughing with him sometimes. And then there, are mo- when he does have a moment of of empathy within that, that it can be disarming. It's uh, like the time I I sort of ran out of time and and uh, options to find a place to stay for the night. And the only place I knew was the place I'd, I'd stayed last night, but I owed them a huge amount of money, and I just had to ask someone for money. I knew someone with a load of money we're friends and all I've got to do is ask them for money but that is an incredibly ambitious skill check you have to I can't remember what skill it is now but uh, maybe a volition I think it's volition which is like your your willpower to do something against your your instincts um, and it's just because you're ashamed you like it's not it's not even guilt it's not that you feel bad about taking money from this person she's fabulously rich you can easily afford it it's just your own pride and just trying to fight that and that was a sort of unexpected moment of I was mostly laughing at this guy, and then at that point, I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I do kind of feel for him. I think I just don't want it to sound like I've, like, gone for a really superficial, like, knee-jerk response. It's like, I'm really glad no, that this yeah. stuff has, like, resonated or has has connected, or that even that it's just capable of doing something more interesting with, with that subject matter. It's just mm. that I just didn't have anything left to give on that no that right. makes total sense i mean the whole you know uh white boozy cop <laughs> with, with you know some unhappy love affair in his past that is that's not a cliche that needed and re- one shoe in my face <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was like didn't really need revisiting but like <laughs> it, it i think it does get through that you know mm. and do, doesn't do interesting things with that but i can understand why people would encounter that and just be like mm, no <laughs> thank you i remember so that i spent an hour in your company now i shall uh, go and play beyond blue <laughs> good day <laughs> that was definitely heavier on my mind early on in that like and when i first heard about the game yeah. when i first i thought wow, that's a weird decision to just make you like a white male policeman like given everything mm-hmm. else that the game is trying to do that's so brave and interesting uh, that felt incongruous, but then you get saturated in that world, and there's so many kind of I subtle think, complexities yeah. to it, right? Yeah. It no, becomes it's, it's it comes a way the world to... questions you, like it, like mm. if you, I think that that's this kind of point is that mm. I don't think you could 
have I, you know I don't think it would do what it's striking out to do if you weren't that white straight male cop like the world questions your existence throughout it yeah and it's about agency yeah literally the things you due to value in your own brain yeah. in this case but... and they, they tell you straight up like uh, hey don't worry about doing like weird shit that people might judge you for because you're a policeman and people will give you a load of leeway for it <laughs> which is kind of explaining I guess their decision there which is like if we put you in this position it's can make sense that you get to behave like a complete I mean you don't know what the, you literally don't understand reality you haven't just lost the memory of the last week you don't understand how the world works yeah. or how like reality functions and they're basically telling you it's okay to ask those kinds of questions and act like a complete weirdo because you're a cop, so people aren't going to call you on it. But yeah, the world itself is is fascinating, interesting, like really specific as well. Like mm. you know, it's made by a group of developers, or you know, mo- many of the developers and the founding developers come from a culture that is actually quite exotic to us, like me, British kind of, you know, like. Estonian and, yeah. and that, that brings a perspective to this game which I think is totally fascinating as well it's like it's it's not purely like for me I find the character fascinating but also the decisions behind the art style and the setting of a dissolute mm. city you know which languages are used the languages yeah um, that's everything is very deliberate in mm. this game like everything has lots of meanings like everything has been fully thought through you know, and you know, this is a game which was based on a long-running kind of RPG by by its makers, mm. and the novel was written several years ago. Uh, so you know, it has really been thought through. You know, this is not oh, we've got to do some world building. You know, for the game, this is like let's we've got a world and let's tell a story within it, and like that's you know that really feels special. Mm. That exhausts our list of personal picks of the year. Do we want to quickly rattle through some honourable mentions before yeah. we sign off? Because there are a few games. Martin. Sure. <laughs> Your uh, smile will be noted by the camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, now I have to mention Noita. Mm. It's a good game. There you go. Excellent. <laughs> We're going to go for like... Name of game plus a sentence, I think, for these. When you're covered in blood, you do more critical hits in Noita. <laughs> it's true. It's, 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 it's the best Spelunky of the last year. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could probably say last three years. I reckon. Yeah, so, yeah, so, that, so, that, was, that was the exact visual language of a man reala- thinking that the shower is hot and then realising that it's cold. <laughs> cold shower again. Ooh, no, I mean, of a take. Um... <laughs> Best Splunky of the last year. Um, oh, I was going to say uh, Unity of Command 2, mm, which I played more mm, of. Okay. And continuing the sentence, I'm continuing to enjoy like just the puzzle. It's, it's a puzzle game. It's like, cool. it's, it's, a, like yeah. it's really, really, yeah, intricate mm. kind of puzzle game, but with wearing very complicated trousers. <laughs> <laughs> Clockwork trousers. <laughs> Also on the list, Team Fight Tactics. Team Fight Tactics, yes. Uh, sorry, that <laughs> is that the sentence? More. Um, I feel kind of not exactly annoyed about this, but it's. Um, I feel like it has a lot of the shortcomings that I hate in Hearthstone, and yet here I am every <laughs> fucking day playing I like that game. I feel like we've had 
a consistently good time playing it, however. Uh, if people listen to your voice on there, your absolute fury at everybody so, picking characters you wanted. Well, no. The, 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 the Randall, like, everyone runs in a circle and I pick last because I'm leading... Um, like a system, yes, it's frustrating for me, the person in the lead. This is like the fucking Disco Elysium one, like, you know, like at this point. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I accept that I'm going to be left with trash. Mm. Um, I really like it because they are currently pouring a lot of time yeah. into getting the updates and, you know, all of that stuff. So it seems to be mm. sort of moving on at a feral clip, but I have started to see the the reason it wasn't on my game of the year things is I've really started to see the, that drop off after people have mastered a patch and like mm. when you're like oh well this is the viable you know compliments yeah. or the, the more reliable ones and then so it settles and then you wait for the new patch and then it's I think the the magic point of for games like the great thing about auto chess because this has also been the year of auto chess worth noting like mm. is it's like meta weather it's like it's it's very sort of you know, elementally, this time of year. Do you know what I mean? Chris, I'm really not following you. <laughs> and I'm not trying to troll you. I don't know what you mean. Right. What I mean is you experience the weather collectively, right? Like, And in, and in games like this, you're kind of confronted with a meta that you n- navigate together with your friends. The idea is it's not solved. It's just sort of a common condition that you're all sort of encountering at once. And so being so all on... wearing tr- sun hats. I guess... Being on chat together, playing Team Fight Tactics is the experience of all of you trying to negotiate the same sort of design space and trying to make optimal recruitment and sort of planning strategic decisions together faced with a kind of common um, strategic situation, set of opportunities, common store, common set of opponents rotating in and out. The thing that they're doing at Team Fight Tactics, where they're also rotating this seasonally, and therefore, you know, I didn't express this particularly well, but like currently we're all thinking about elements and what, what element is the board and how does that relate to future decisions? And, you know, does Kiana become way more valuable in a mountain board? She does. Which she does. Like, you know, all of these different things, that is the fun of that is not solving it as an individual, the fun of it is entering it with a group of people. And I really like navig- it na- thank you mm. and navigating it together and that's why I describe it as weather like meta weather it's it's uh, a common set of environmental conditions that determine how we collectively experience this strategic sandbox mm. and navigate it and as soon as that becomes solved and a group of players sort of have it down that ceases to be interesting uh, it's about it's, it's the journey not as they say that's the climb the the the, game. the the video game. The, <laughs> I want to mention Slay the Spire because mm. it probably would have it well, definitely would have been on my top three, except that I I think it was my game of the year last year. Slay the Spire came out in twenty seventeen. Uh, it was initial release, and then its one point release was twenty nineteen. But I think it was my game of the year twenty eighteen because that was the year that was mainly being developed while I was playing playing the hell out of it. I've also been playing the hell out of it this year. It's my most played game, I'm sure, by far. Um, uh, it's just not as interesting a choice as something else I picked. Uh, it just continues to develop in a really good way, and just the the endless uh, appeal of finding a build that works that you've never done before. Like, oh shit, I've had this relic, and I picked these cards. There's this Ooh. trick I can do that I've never had before in my thousand runs of this. Uh, it would not be 2019 if we didn't mention Untitled Goose Game. Of course. Honk. 
Honk. Also, <laughs> also out this year, a short hike. Oh yeah, yeah. that's, that's so close to being on my list. Actually, um, I think I only didn't put it there because the other three felt like they did something markedly mm. different. Whereas a short hike is just a very well executed game, and mm, yeah. that it, like saying just is so like mealy <laughs> mouth. Right. It's wonderful, but yeah. that's why it wasn't quite the mm. other. Things. It's really it's moving and it's sweet and it's very short and you just kind of play through it and have a lovely time. Mm. Kind words. Yeah, have you not played? No, no. So it's um it's very uh, bare bones game, but oh, not bare bones, but it's uh, you know very minimal. But um, what happens is you use the interface to write very short letters where you put down something that's worrying you or you know just how you are or you know a request or you know things like that and other people can respond anonymously and just sort of give you words of encouragement and that's the whole idea is that you can just sort of be there for strangers or have them be there for you and like this little postmaster dear will just pop up at your window and hand you some letters of you know you'll say I was you know worried about this or you know um, and you can send a little sticker with your with your mail, and um, people can just send some words of encouragement, which is I think that's so mm. lovely. Mm. And I don't think I saw anyone abusing it. I you mm. know which kind of surprised me. I'm assuming there's at least some basic filters in there, but um, yeah, like it, the, I think the 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 only letter I reported was one that made no sense. Like it just, you know, like it, it just read like spam. Mm. So I was just like, oh. but the, the rest of them, you know, it's, it's so kind of humanizing. It's so kind of the, the same problems come up again and again. Like, I don't know what to do about this thing with my girlfriend or, you know, like my fiance seems to be having cold feet about the wedding or like, um, like I'm really, really stressed about university work and mm. I don't know what to do. Or and I, what kind of, oh, like, what are the, how in depth are the answers that people give? So you've only got a certain amount of page space. So I right. think when you're sending a, 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 a letter out, you've got, I can't remember how many lines, but it gives you a, I think maybe even just seven. I think they're slightly, right. but you've, you know, you've got that amount of space to, to ask for help or to explain the situation or whatever. Um, and it just gives your initial of your username rather than your name or anything. And then, um, if you're responding, I think it might be a slightly thinner piece of paper, but you get, um, 14 lines right. to, to offer some encouragement. Mm. And so, you know, it's things like I've, definitely sent things just sort of saying that just sounds really tough and I'm really mm. sorry and well, yeah. you know, I hope that things ease up or you know like there was someone who was worried about their birthday or you know like about you know not I think they didn't know how to handle like they didn't know how to ask their parents for something that they wanted mm. or they didn't want anything but they knew that their parents wanted to make a fuss of it so they were like it was it was some kind of like it was low level in terms of you know it's the sort of thing where you'd say I'm fine if someone asked you how you were and <laughs> right. you were yeah, worrying yeah, about yeah. it but like clearly it was bothering them so it's like it just felt really nice to be able to say that sounds really rough mm. and I hope that you so it's sort of do like, have a nice but day. I mean it, it sort of tops out you empathizing with people and and supporting them but have you ever encountered like problems where you're like wow I could reply to that but really it needs more than fourteen lines. 
Maybe some, some of specificity. Them, or some of them it's just like it feels too loaded or it feels like something I'm absolutely not equipped to, to even touch. Right, or, of course, right, right. or even just some things that felt maybe a bit more I wouldn't be able to empathise with properly. Mm. So I, you know, you can pass. You, you know, you get like a certain amount of letters mm. and you can just cycle through them and reply to some or you can just choose to go away and come back like another time or you know not at all if you don't want to but um yeah so and and a few of the things that I've put out there like I've had a mixture of just you know nice replies and supportive kind of like almost like just supportive noises Hmm. and sometimes people just offering like full-on advice so it's like it's a mixed bag on that front and yeah, but they and they advise against you know like don't put any personal information in, don't right, you yeah, know, yeah. put in your like identifiable like contact details, Twitter, you know those kinds of things. So they're very like um, that that stuff is visible in the game. But um, sorry, I know this was supposed to be quite a short thing. No, but, no, like, no, sorry, that, I was I was just really interested. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so it's something that I've found myself, especially when I've been struggling with things like. I haven't actually talked about them in the game, but it has made me feel better to be there for someone else oh. and perform that function when I've not known what to do about my own stuff. It's like, mm. well, at least I can do this. And that's like, I can tick off a good person point and now I go back <laughs> to bed. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So that's lovely. Speaking of going to bed. Yes, <laughs> please. <laughs> Let's all name our game of the year. And if you would like to, also your shame of the year. Within the context, I should stress, games. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. I don't even know. I, don't, I really don't know. You've had a lot of time. This... We can come back to you. I, I don't really think I need time. We, we're going to just do a score thing and I can just put half a point in each. Like no, <laughs> no. Pick a game, Alex. How many points have you got? One and a half. Like, what? What are you? Go alphabetically. No, no. But the, I had two choices, so half oh, a point. Oh, I see. In each. I thought you meant like more than two choices. Point in three. It's either disco yeah. or outer. It's got oh, right. wild, isn't it? I mean, as in, I'd say wild if I was saying one word. Right. <laughs> that's what you're agonising about right now <laughs> I think you've just given your attention away wow. it's got to be wild <laughs> I'm going to go I'm going to go I'm going to go out of wilds out of wilds from Alex Marsh Disco Elysium Pip you better believe that both of mine are pocket camp <laughs> animal crossing pocket camp <laughs> <laughs> she's done it again <laughs> oh, yeah, Alex we didn't get a shame from you Oh, a shame. I don't really... I don't, I don't no shame. Uh, <laughs> all sorts of, sort of Red Dead Redemption. Not really, I'm not really no. ashamed. Sort of omnipresent. omnipresent yeah, it's more like, eh, fuck my peers. Oh, Destiny 2. I feel shamed for... But, uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, no, I feel yeah, shame. We've got shame within us. Let's believe in ourselves and find the shame. Tom Francis. Outer Wilds is my actual game of the year. And the shame? I guess Far Cry New Dawn. Cool. Outer Wilds for me. And my shame, Destiny 2. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shame Bros. Yeah, exactly. Also, your shame and 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 yeah. Game Bros. Most yeah, we are shame and Game Bros. Um, microtransactions history on my um, oh God. on my uh, on my Google purchases at this point with that thing. And I guess that means. Hang on. So, like, so it was One, outer two, outer disco, uh, disco outer outer. Uh, three outers, one That's... disco, and an Animal Crossing. Animal <laughs> no, Crossing, sorry, like, uh, it, Pocket yeah. Camp. 
Which means, I suspect, that Outer Worlds is... The winner of all the, the winner, year. Yep. To the extent that victory means anything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's Oh. Good. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, do you know what? Something this conversation has made me really aware of is that it's been a really good year for games. Yeah. Like genuinely yeah, yeah. good. And yeah, yeah. there's a lot that I still haven't played and will mm. get round to in my own sweet time. Mm. And that will be like a real pleasure. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I remember. For a nice note to end. <laughs> definitely a few years recently, there's been like, I remember doing these Game of the Year podcasts and thinking, like, eh, there's nothing that's really like amazing, but there's yeah. some good stuff. Like, there's a lot of like 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 games. And this year, no, no shit. There's like <laughs> at least two 10 out of 10 amazing games. <laughs> <laughs> that's us done for this year of Crate and Crowball podcast. We'll be back at some point in January. If you'd like to send us a question, to the next episode of the podcast, I appreciate we didn't do a question section on this episode, but we will do so again in the future. You can email us at questions at creightoncrowbar.com. You can also tweet us at creightoncrowbar and find us on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash creightoncrowbar, which is where you will also find a little bonus uh, mini episode of uh, me and my sister Becky talking about uh, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, which yeah. will be live by the time you watch this. Um, obviously, spoilers, go, go. Uh, all up in there um, if you'd like to follow us on Patreon not follow us on Patreon more like support us on Patreon nonetheless thanks. follow with your money <laughs> <laughs> follow your wallets to Patreon <laughs> not only you are helping <laughs> it's a it's, the camera is liberating in a way because I can just look at people and know that the communicative impact of that is being assessed somewhere um Send Patri- us a Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Crate and Crowbar. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, you may, if you must, follow us as individuals uh, on, on Twitter.com. I am rotational. Spell it live. R-O-T-A-T-I-O-N-A. Com. Dot com. Dot org. He's only gone and done it. I'm at Marsh Davis, although I have now blocked nearly every single word in the human dictionary. I don't want to hear any of it. Just just pictures of cats now. (laughs) It's a big Heidi. (laughs) Big. And many of them. The walloping Heidi. (laughs) walloping Heidi. Wow. I'm uh, Philippa Wall, which is P-H-I-L-I-P-P-A-W-A-R-R. Mm. Mm. I'm at Pentadact, P E N T A D C T. And I am at C Thurston, that's C T H U R S T E N. I'm old, just by the way. How do we switch off Tom's hologram? Because yeah. which one? This one. Like, because oh, obviously he's not here to Canada because he's in Canada. Yeah. I think he. I think he will eventually ship himself back to Canada. Okay. Right. Do you think that he'll notice that we broke into his house? <laughs> no, no, no. It's a set. This is a security guard. Oh, right. built it. Yes. Mm. It's very convincing. Mm. Mm. This is a security hologram in my house that I programmed to turn on when an intruder's coming. But <laughs> I forgot to tell it to actually deter them or in any way object to their presence. It just has opinions. <laughs> yes, uh, also, nice conversation with them. I spent all my time making sure it agreed with me on video games and none of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Are you Skyping in by this hologram? I like New Dawn as much as I do. What can I say? <laughs> you just really love the hologram. It's like, you just want to live with that. <laughs> well...
Is Chris being long suffering? Is he that is. The expression? <laughs> <laughs> it's now short suffering. I think that's worse. If this is a set, hey. does that mean we shouldn't have gone to the loop? <laughs> Yay, legit hey! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, thanks for listening. Thanks. Oh, fuck's sake. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. everybody. Thank you for watching. Oh, shit, yeah.